welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the premiere episode of The Dope Dichotomy. I'm your passionate host, Mona, and I thank you all for tuning in today. On any given day, we'll discuss topics ranging from hip-hop to relationship stuff, anything pertaining to black culture pretty much. Every episode will be inspired by one of my favorite hip-hop songs, and today the inspiration is One Love by the legendary Nas. Now, if you are familiar with Nas's work, you understand that this was on the classic album, Illmatic, which was dropped in 1994. I was in ninth grade and I listened to that album pretty much that entire year. That song is in reference to Nas writing a letter to his homeboy who was locked up. And I thought, because it affects us so much there's no better way to um, speak on things in this episode than to cover mass incarceration in america Um, there's a couple of facts that most people don't realize about how it affects black people specifically Um, in the united states black men who commit the same crimes as white men receive federal prison sentences that are on an average nearly 20 percent longer my guest that I have today later on in the episode kind of fell victim to that. He committed a crime but was sentenced far beyond what the um, normal guidelines were. And this happens to people on a regular basis. Many of you are familiar with Meek Mill's story because he is a celebrity and he um, was able to bring his story to the forefront, especially with the Free Meek documentary that was recently released on Amazon Prime. But we're going to kind of touch on that and give some information on that so that you won't fall victim to the trap or or maybe your little brother or your cousins or your even your sisters because black women are increasing the prison population rate. And then I'm going to explain to you how it relates to capitalism and how it's just an extension of slavery. So before we get into all that, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about myself. I am a mother, a business owner, a lover of all things hip-hop, a music enthusiast all around. So basically what how this podcast came about is for anyone who ever gets to know me, they always say, well, you should write a book, or you're so passionate, you should do a vlog, or um, just, you know, always saying things to me like, oh, your personality is dope, and I use the word dope a lot, so... I've often thought about it when I, when I got into listening to podcasts. I'm a huge fan of the Joe Budden podcast. Shout out. That's one of the inspirations for me doing this. Um, but when I started to listen to podcasting, I was like, that's definitely something I could do. Like I, I spend my days having conversations with people all the time, whether that's behind the chair as a stylist or just with my dope ass friends or people who have opposing views, you know, I, I never shy away from conversation or debate or dissecting an issue. Um, oftentimes I was misunderstood because I enjoy conversation and dissecting things. And sometimes that can be a little abrasive when it's coming from a woman. Luckily, I've been able to link up with some people who don't necessarily interpret it that way. But Throughout my years, I used to try to dumb it down like, oh, I'm not going to show what I know or I'm not going to do this because I don't want to rock the boat or be this way or be that way. And um, at this point in my life, I really just don't care anymore. 
So basically, I was really inspired upon the death of Nipsey Hussle. Um, if you're familiar with him, he was all about going after your dreams, pursuing your goals, not letting things stop you. And I was a huge fan of his and his his uh, blueprint for Powernomics. And I just thought he was a great thinker. I like the thinkers in hip hop, um, Nipsey, Wale, Nas, people like that. But when he passed, it really hurt because I felt like we really lost someone important. It was the first time someone had passed in hip hop and I felt a deep loss just as I did when Tupac passed. And I just started thinking like, what am I waiting for? I need to do this. I have things that I want to get out and yeah, it'll be uncomfortable at first. And sure, in the beginning, it'll be a little rocky and it won't be perfect. I am a perfectionist a little bit, but I just needed to go after it. So I was talking to a friend one day and he was encouraging me saying, yeah, you know, your personality is so dope. You really should do that. And I said, well, what's dope about my personality? People always say that, like, what, what is dope? Because you know how people can just blow your head up just to blow it up. And he started describing the dichotomy between my personality and how people will expect me to have a certain opinion. But when you get to know me, I'm a little bit different than what you would think, or my opinion is different. I have contrasting views in certain situations that are not expected. And I was like, you know what? That is kind of true. Um, I mean, thank you for stroking my ego. But um, I did think that was true. So I came up with the name, The Dope Dichotomy. And I believe that, you know, I'll be discussing along with my dope ass friends, different topics, interviewing different things and trying to bring you a contrast. A lot of the things that I say are often polarizing, but they're polarizing because we've been conditioned to believe certain things. The way that my brain is set up, I love to research. So when I'm discussing something, nine times out of 10, I've really researched it thoroughly. So it may be shocking when I give information or I say something to a person. They're like, what? What is she talking about? But they go back and research and be like, oh, that's dope. I didn't know that. Or man, you were right. And then like in turn, I'm not perfect. So if I'm wrong about something, I will definitely come back and be like, oh, you just taught me something or um, I was wrong about this, this, and that. So I hope that you guys rock with me. I hope that you stick with me. And hopefully we can turn this podcast into something great and something that you can get education out of, all while having nice, fun laughs as well. The term dichotomy is defined as a division or contrast between two things that are or are represented as being opposed or entirely different. Um, A good example of a dichotomy is like in literature, you have good and evil. You have real, you have imaginary, you have heaven, you have hell. Those are dichotomies depending on, you know, the, the subject at hand. And you'll get to experience those views on the dope dichotomy as well as just some fun, lighthearted episodes where, um, we may all agree, you know, but oftentimes just being who I am, we're going to disagree sometimes or just have different views. I also am known to cut people off. I am the Noriega of 30 something females. Um, if you're a hip hop head, you know what I mean by that. I am a Noriega, Joe Budden type of chick. And 
despite trying to dumb it down all my life, I'm just not going to do it anymore. And I put a disclaimer out there ahead of time because my brain is always just working and I don't mean to be rude. And all of my close friends know to just cut me right back off. So (laughs) hopefully that won't irritate you too much. So let's jump right into a segment I like to call The Block is Hot. We'll be discussing what's going on in our culture and hip-hop in the past week or so. In order to do that, I have two of my dope-ass friends that live here close to me locally in Fredericksburg, Virginia. First up is Mia Samuel. She is a local esthetician and entrepreneur and owner and main operator of My Skin Aesthetics. It's a local spa you can go there to get all your facial needs taken care of also we have zoom coleman who likes to refer to himself as random black guy from fredericksburg but the way i know him is i met him on the comedy scene he's a local comedy promoter and if you ever see his name attached to any comedy shows please go because his whole lineup will keep your stomach hurting the whole time which is a good thing if you feel me Welcome, 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 guys, and let's go ahead and get into these topics. So I saw an episode, I mean, not episode, I read an article um, this week asking if Lil Wayne was top five. Like DOA or just right Top five rappers of all time. I hate these things because like, it has to be quantified. Like, I don't know if... Um, Give me some specifics. Like, is it yeah. lyricist? Lyricist, rapper. Rapper, entertainer. Like, what are, what are we, where are we going at with this? Well, I'm going to assume they meant rapper. When I think the rapper title, um, I think Tupac definitely mm-hmm. holds that. But then you can have, a, you can have something else for lyricist. Mm-hmm. But rapper to me is the person can spit, you know, and the person has great music. Right. But they're like an old... Um, overall star, right? Like the sales, like Drake, right? Is in the running for top rapper yeah. of all mm-hmm. time, in my opinion. You know, so yeah, you got to give him his props. You know, Ooh, so would yeah, Drake. So would Lil Wayne props. be like if you're thinking of top rapper? No, of all time. And let's say, do we all agree, Pac? I think the only other person who can battle that spot with Pac is like Snoop. Agree to disagree. As far as, as energy, well. like like star power Snoop. and all that, I love Snoop. but he wasn't. He his rapping isn't the same since the first right. album. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I love Snoop. Definitely a pop fan. Um, being that I'm from like the Northeast or uh, growing up, Philadelphia, I, I was really big on Biggie. Also, mm. I like Big as far as lyrics, the punchlines, you know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so I but, can see him being like, here, but would y'all Nipsey? see Wayne? No, I, Wayne. No. I don't think Wayne. I don't. I mean, I love Wayne. He's an, a His great. Name is Wayne. What, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> I love Wayne. That um, dag on Wayne. I hate him. Weezy F Wayne. Shut up. Um, I love him. However, you know, I feel like he speaks the point of his life where it's just like I don't think. He really got the love like that for rap. He's not yeah, even he in my seems, top 20. He seems very uninspired right yeah, now to me. Yeah. Like he's just, I think more on the business aspect. Mm. Well, he's trying to get his business in order. Yeah. I think more on the business side versus in the rap world. Yeah. If that makes sense. What did you say? I just, he's not even in my top 20. Yeah, he probably wouldn't be in my top I mean, I, I love like Carter 3 Wayne. and I don't like yeah. no the, the mixtape Wayne. I like when Wayne doesn't rap. That's my Wayne. You don't like no Wayne music, not even from back in the day. 
the only Wayne thing I ever had was like, you don't say something corny before you say it. Please 100 say degrees it. or whatever it was. Like oh, his, you mean Lord. 400 degrees? 400 degrees, 100 degrees. He was not, no 400 degrees was um juvie. Juvie. Yeah. The block is whatever. Whenever the block he, is hot. Yes, that was, was okay, but hot that was because boys. I was young and I got all the CDs back in the mm-hmm. day. But I was like, eh. Clear the set on that album on Wayne's first album, the song "Clear the Set." That's my favorite song on that album. I just never was into it's it. Just, but then I like. I grew up listening to like Big L, like that mm-hmm. was my like, and then I kind of see how Wayne kind of took some of that from Big L, mm-hmm. but like even when he says certain stuff, I'm like, mm. like people are like that's fire. I'm like, eh. I have a different like. I mean, you, what you don't think that okay? I'm not saying that Wayne is a lyricist in the in the scope mm-hmm. of like a wordplay of um, Eminem. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that, or Faramont, or you know. I'm saying you have to acknowledge that he has a lot of good songs. How can you? What's your definition I mean, yeah, of he, good songs? He has good him songs. Big L and him are different. Okay, you you're know. saying good songs that were on radio and got him money. No, on albums he had good songs. Yeah, he was dope. Yeah. Eh? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. I just never, like, I, but I'm from New York. So I was, like, always, like, okay, I listen to West Coast. I grew mm-hmm. up on that gangster that West Side Connection, NWA stuff. I love that Look, shit, too. West Side Connection, know. to me, was whack besides Ice Cube. But Ice Cube I don't know. I'm not a big yeah. action. Yeah. In the Dub C. Come on, man. But then, like, I got <laughs> I'm on sorry, but... Pop, where I was like, okay, I like the conscious stuff, and then I got onto Dead Prez. And mm-hmm. then it was like, I kind of stayed on it. Yeah. And then I was like, and then Lil Wayne comes out, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, so you were in that mindset. Yeah. yeah. Where I to love each all his of own. them. Huh? I said to each his own. Yeah, to each his own, for sure. I just... I just never could get into Wayne. Like Drake, I'm like, eh. You make I like songs Drake. You gotta people. give Drake. You gotta give Drake his props. Yeah. I mean, this dude is like. You can go through my phone. There won't be one Wayne or Drake song, and I have like 2,900 songs. And so that's you, okay. So what do you listen to? I listen to Jay. Listen to Nas. I listen to Big O. I listen. I want to do a poll. Like, did you listen to that that new little brother? I haven't got that yet. Little brother's dope. That new album. I, like I want to do a poll. Can we just walk up to random people in a downtown city street and ask them like, Frederick? and see if they have Drake in their playlist? Uh, yes, they will. Mm-hmm. Because oh, people, yeah. People, He's a star. But then again, <laughs> He's a I, mega star. I grew up on mixtapes where you would just go to like the local store and get a mixtape. Yeah, and I'm of like, course. Okay, this underground stuff, like the 50 Cent. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm yeah. like, then, okay. but for me, we grew up I have, on the same thing yeah, though. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like, I, I have like moods. I have moods. So some days I'm in a car listening to Casanova ready to catch a body. Why? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I do think that music is digested in moods. I definitely yeah. agree with like that. Like some days I'll go in the car and I'll put on Joe Button. Yes. And I'll just go through six mood music and go to mood work music. emo. Yeah, yes. I mean, and that's, and that's totally true. I mean, I had a client um, come see me the other day, Afghan lady. She told me they don't listen to a lot of music with words because it's so influential into how the things you do in life mm-hmm. and it can be dangerous mm-hmm. and yeah, i totally get that i listened to dead prez way too early i listened to it when i was in like high school and that changed my whole mentality because i was like oh my god these white people out here wilding because <laughs> like, i'm looking at it like oh school but when they said like lines and i'm like oh wow i didn't know what this word is and i started researching some of the songs and like meanings behind it I'm like, oh, this, I, I learned what propaganda was way too early I'm like mm-hmm. oh i see what we're doing here yeah, totally. I see what this propaganda against the black community is. <laughs> so oh Missy just got the Vanguard Award at the MTV Awards. It's not the Michael Jackson Vanguard. Interesting. That's weird. I'm sorry. I wrote down Vanguard. Oh, interesting. But okay, so boom, they took Michael Jackson's name off of the Vanguard. Why did they do it's that? It's all conspiracy. 
We got to know that. Okay, what's what's your theory of why they did that? I just feel like the whole little allegations, recent things. Mm-hmm. They ain't leave my boy MJ alone. He in the ground. Like, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Does his allegations affect his music? I don't feel like so. Certain people's but allegations yes, definitely affect their definitely. music. Definitely. Like, I, I hate I to call the name is. out, but we all know the documentary just watched. Yeah. And Bingo. now oh. I listened to a Leah song the other day, uh, Getting Ready, and I just was like totally blown by the lyrics and thinking about this whole show mm-hmm. I just watched, and I'm like, whoa. Yeah, R. Kelly right and Michael Jackson are two different situations. Yes, probably. totally mm-hmm. different. Michael Jackson's like, situation, too, I think Oprah really should come out and do a retraction for that um, panel she did right. with the, the uh, accusers mm-hmm. because now it's been proven that the one boy was saying that he was doing these things in a room that wasn't even built at the time. Like, mm-hmm. And if you research his cases, it's, there's just so many holes and so many made-up things that the public generally thinks is true, but when you look into it, it's not there. R. Kelly, on the other hand, he likes to record yes, and evidence. write stuff into songs, and he likes to, you know, Yo, talk. Please tell me about <laughs> I believe Michael Jackson is like, maybe not Paul Mooney said he's not a pedophile, he's X-Files. I do mm-hmm. believe, you know, I wouldn't have left my kids there. But, no, you know, but any right. parent would like, uh, <laughs> you're not going to Michael Jackson's house. I don't care how much money he has or how many points. At the end of the day, I wouldn't do it. But I don't believe <laughs> the evidence proves that. Right. R. Kelly, right. yes. Yeah, totally. But um, I'm, you know, saddened that this all is, it's got to be some type of play from that. I feel like Obviously. Missy should have been getting the recognition, though, because she's... I'm excited that she yeah. got it. I love Missy. She's, she's so hot, dope. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's from VA? Yes, she was representing Virginia. All the mm-hmm. way. I'm not. She but rapper all the I way. Hey, look at you dropping <laughs> bars. I'm just saying. You're the best ever. Um, whatever. So I'm, I'm glad though because she's like the fourth black woman to have this award. Like Janet Jackson had it in 1990, mm-hmm. and then Beyonce got it in 2014, Rihanna in 2016, and now Missy Elliott. No black Elliot. woman with Michael Jackson gets his hair. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, no, we're not going to allow that. There will be there none. will be no shame in MJ. Okay, there will be no um, MJ slander. Slander, oh, slander. Okay, and there will be no Mariah Carey slander. I'm I know it. I gotta give it up for me. You, you talk about how she dances, how messy she is. Yes, that's my girl. Believe her alone. Mm. Yeah, but on another note, I'm proud that Missy got yeah, it. Me too. Super glad, and all her songs knocked though too. Like sometimes you and go she back. deserves it. Yeah, her videos are hot. Mm-hmm. Those crazy so Missy is um, she was on what was she at I think Sway in the Morning and they were talking about the Aaliyah documentary I mean uh, movie like mm-hmm. biopic or whatever biopic is it biopic or biopic you're right both ways okay <laughs> that's what they all say uh huh um, that they they wanted to recreate it and she wants to recreate it with the blessing of Aaliyah's family because we all know that whack excuse for a movie that Aaliyah movie VH1 did was like yeah deplorable i didn't see the vh1 movie but oh, it's, however uh, i had the haunch that it wasn't going to be all that great anyway but the fact that she wants the blessing of the family i think that's gonna probably not be the case i feel like it's messy it's very Especially messy because because the lifetime leah's mom was supposedly have with right, Kelly and that's too. what they've that's said why it's on like their messy. whole lifetime I don't know if thing. it's true, but that's what they so said. So I feel like that could be a very touchy situation that yeah. they're more than likely is not going to give that They're not going to ever, yeah. I agree with you on that. And but, I kind of truly don't really want to know the story. No, I think they need to let her rest. But I would like for there to be a proper Aaliyah movie. Right, It would right. be dope, but maybe she just doesn't I just don't want to hear the dark side. I feel like, you know... 
That's her personal business. Mm -hmm. It's sad. No one should have to go through anything if anything happened. I don't know. I wasn't mm -hmm. there. But, you know, if it did, that's her business, privacy, whatever. Maybe they could do one where they don't cover that, but I guess right. that wouldn't get views. Like, nobody would like yes. that, I guess. You know? Because, you know, black folks won't be messy and know everything. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, where's the, where's, the, where's the deleted footage? Girl, let me tell you. <laughs> next, you know, next R. Kelly special come out, there's deleted footage right there. You're like, oh. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, horrible. What do y'all think about Hot Girl Semester? Do you know what that is? No, tell, enlighten yeah. me. I was, so, I'm you old. know, what do you say? I'm, oh, I don't know about this hot girl, hot thought, whatever you All right, so <laughs> Meg Thee Stallion, do you know who that is? Yes, yeah. love she her. Big old freak. Yep, big, love big, her. Big yeah, that song. Yes. You don't know, he's like, The Drake right there? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, she's very, um, she's known for being very voluptuous mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, she's one of the ratchets, you know, yep. they would say. And she is making a lot of noise. And, you know, they you know, do it big been, in Texas, boo. Yeah, she's been twerking and everything <laughs> all summer. But she started this whole, you know, she started like Hot Girl Summer hashtags or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, well, she started retweeting that or whatever, whatever. But now it's Hot Girl Semester because she's going back to school. She's in school right now. So she's, she's posting stuff of her doing her college work while getting ready to do an appearance or whatever. And I was wondering how y'all felt about that. I think it's good. Like I think it's awesome it's that okay. she's doing that. Yeah, that's the dichotomy, right? Because right. that's like you know, on one hand, people will look at her like this, but oh, I can't. Yeah, this but out. you know, these records to... is paying for that education, and I'm not mad at her. Mm -hmm. I just need her to stay focused. Like if she starts twerking mm -hmm. for hot girl semester, I'm gonna be a little skeptical. <laughs> like, uh oh, <laughs> it's a little bundle up. <laughs> hey, I'd rather people it. twerk in college than. Not get an education at all. And to work for the rest Not of that you life. have to go to college to get the education because there's so many ways to do so. There's but. YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I learned so much on YouTube. Have you learned anything on YouTube? Before? I learned to change more. Change a tire. Did you? Yeah. I've done things with YouTube too. But yeah, that, I am. I, I'm bad. And that's just, just how we are today. We I just quick to, to go to YouTube to YouTube. figure out how to do something. Mm -hmm. Call ourselves saving money and, and messing shit up even more. I go, I sometimes, sometimes it work out. Come sometimes, out yeah. I tell you what, everything you see on Pinterest comes out great. Yeah. You save it in one of them folders. Like I'm gonna make um, strawberry cake with rainberry sprinkles that has glitter that pops out and floats in the air. You can make it on on Pinterest and it'll work. Is that from the unicorn? <laughs> what type of recipe was that? Unicorn cake. Uh, unicorn cake. No, that's just a high moment. That's all that was. <laughs> Oh my God! No, I think it's great that Megan Thee Stallion is doing her thing in school, and I want her to post her, like her grades and and making hits. Why she gotta show you her grades? Because I don't think she, she, you know, I don't know. I think she has see, somebody see, doing. that's what I'm saying. Are you I one of those judgmental people? You don't, don't think she's going to college? She's educated. I didn't say she wasn't. So what do you? Saying? I don't go to college. I can't even like. I love Papa books. Okay? <laughs> you like Papa books too? Yeah, Papa books is fire. I went to the library try to get one. They ain't have none. Oh my god! You know they still have libraries, right? <clears throat> I know. I passed one the other day. You didn't go in? No, I didn't. No. It was closed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> was it on Kwanzaa? No, it was just. It might have been earlier today. Oh. Sunday. So. <sighs> I debated if I was going to discuss. Bring this it up. It's so detailed, but. So you know, with Jay Z, recently. Rock Nation signed an initiative deal with the NFL, who we all know have blackballed Colin Kaepernick. It's plain to see. But Colin ended up taking a payout. We mm -hmm. don't know what that is. He doesn't have a, 
I think he has a do not dis- uh, disclosure. Non-disclosure. Yeah, non-disclosure. But a lot of people were mad at Jay-Z calling him a sellout for that move and different things like that. Some people understand it. Some people say there's no excuse. You know, either way, the optics don't look good, right? But just the other day, we just learned that he just signed Meek Mill, Megan Trainer, and Rhapsody as Inspire Change Advocates. Now, I don't know what that means. I know that they will be performing, and I believe yeah, when I looked into it, it basically of said the that money will be going to social right, justice programs. Right. I think that's what I read on that it said that they'll be doing a free concert and some proceeds for certain songs. I feel like it's almost like a another Michael Jackson, We Are the World type approach well they were able just to, use a bunch of are, different yeah. artists to come up with was good though they were able to raise a rack of money right but i feel like this is where we're at again it's a full 360 circle mm-hmm. why are we doing this again, again? Mm-hmm. that's just my opinion however um i'm not surprised with jay-z um you already know my views and thoughts on him well the audience doesn't know so you tell it <laughs> i'm just you know I'm just not a person are that you, will. Are you biased to Jay Z? Is that what you're saying? I'm, <laughs> I'm very biased because he did not give my daughter a college scholarship. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, um, listen. So you don't, you have reasons why you don't like Jay Z. I mean, but no, your it's bias not just lies that. in the fact that he did not approve your daughter's scholarship. For, <laughs> I mean, I need answers, but no, for real. I just, I'm not a big, you know. I love the fact that Jay Z and Beyonce made great music. Awesome, you know. Kudos to them. I am not one that's going to sweat them and be like, oh my God, I have to go to the concert and spend all this money and be there. And I don't feel like, you know, it's always we're giving back or helping in the community. But I personally, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I'm just saying. I personally haven't. So listen, they, they, they've done a lot, especially recently. Not to your community though, right? Right. Not, not to, to my community. In many there. different areas. No, I'm just saying. But you're, you have to take the, listen, Jay-Z don't have nothing against your daughter. I mean, I ain't saying he do. I'm just saying. You wanted a response on why, baby. <laughs> she, she, <laughs> she, wanted a, she wanted 16 bars. Yeah, like, give me give me a freestyle real quick on why you didn't accept this. Why like, you did not accept my daughter? No. He's like, did you not listen to 444? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying, though, for real, for real. Um, I, I'm not surprised that Jay-Z would make that type of move. They always pushing for Beyonce for to do an NFL show anyway. So we already know that they work together. And she should, she should do that. They go hand in hand. If, if he would have turned it down, what would have been next for them? They, they, they had no backup plan, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which means they needed him. Everybody keeps thinking, oh, he like he's, they're just using, like, if you really look at the, the move he made, I know a lot of people are upset, but he could be doing, like, a Trojan horse scenario where he's going in. He told us he teaches how to move in a room full of vultures, right? Like, in his rhyme, he's known for saying that. He's done all types of other business deals and climbed up. He knows the business world now. He's going to go in there. Of course, he's going to kiki with Goodell or whatever on television because that's what businessmen do. Mm-hmm. They go in a room, they hate each other. Understood. They don't They don't sit there and be like, whatever, whatever. I know the optics don't look good. It doesn't look good. And I'm the hugest Colin Kaepernick supporter. I was there since day one. I have two of his jerseys. Like, I've uh, donated money to his um, children's Know Your Rights camp mm-hmm. and you know, what I'm saying I'm a huge supporter, but I, I just think we need to we need to not be so short sighted. People are so quick to get mad at the way he's coming in 
to the NFL, but give him a moment. I think he's earned that from his the things he's been doing for the black community as of recently, especially. I think he's earned us to just fall back and you know. We gotta be patient. Yeah. He might end up being. And he's funneling a whole bunch of money while learning the NFL. Hopefully. And I mean that's excellent. (laughs) You. She's Maybe he's going to get a whole bunch of his friends together and they're going to buy a Well, team hopefully one this day. will increase might, the college fund. Might, Maybe. Or, <laughs> Maybe this isn't about us begging for a seat at the table. Maybe this is learning how the table is. We can build, go over here and build a better table. Sometimes. And take all that money. You, if, if, if we as our people took all of our money and resources and we built a uh, NFL rival... Where are the black athletes going to go when they come out of college? They're going to get Dominicans. As, what you say? <laughs> the Dominicans. Like, or oh. Dominicans, whatever. Like, Dominicans can play football. They All play people soccer. of color, right? I'm, I'm just saying they would eventually go to the organization owned by people who look like them because they're going to be able to present certain benefit packages to those players that only we would know. Oh, no. Sometimes you, you try to give black folks a chance they just don't want to do right. I'm just saying. Well, no, I think black folks are human. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah very much just so. Just like any other human race. Very much so. We have people who do right and who don't. I'm just saying, just look at it. Would you, you know. feel better if he would have bought Colin on? No, I don't think that like he the needs optics, to. With the optics. I think, it. you know, you want to know my honest opinion? I think all this stuff about Nessa, Colin's girl being mad, um, Eric Reed, mm-hmm. Sean King saying something, Jamil Hill. I wonder if they're all in on it together. They, 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 they plan for him to seem like his relationship with Colin is strained. Mm. Like, it could be chess. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we're so like, like, as if we know everything. We don't even know what the deal really is. But everybody's mad. Well... As if this man wouldn't take money, and Eric Reed is taking a paycheck from the NFL, and Colin Kaepernick just take, got paid money, which not saying he doesn't deserve it because he does, but I just feel like why why are people mad? I think I think they might be mad because they want we a lot of times we want grandstanding, so they wanted Jay Z to come out and be like hold a hand with Colin Kaepernick and be like we've reached the mountaintop, we are in control of all of the music <laughs> of the NFL. <laughs> we would have been happy with that, but he's doing that plus. I mean, like the the uh, musical performances, plus funneling money to social justice programs. Isn't that what we wanted? I don't. I just don't understand why everybody's mad about it. Well, besides I, not liking I, him because he didn't approve their yeah, I could college. personally care less what he got going on with the NFL. I mean, I hope he if whatever he's doing is successful and it makes a change. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Okay? <laughs> Other than that, I love the fact that Meat Mill is on board, you know. Mm-hmm. Um He's from Philly. Yes, exactly. That's my that's my Did he running ground. Does he have a scholarship fund too? No, does he have a scholarship fund? Because I totally would have applied. Meek Mill's for got it. one. Do we? Oh, I will make sure she applies next year. Did you guys catch the Meek Mill um? I love Meek Mill. The one that Jay Z No, I know. I heard it's out. So it's on, it's on Netflix, right? It's on uh, Amazon. Amazon? It's dope. Okay, I'm totally going to have everything on one network for this I know, show. I know, I know. Um, it's dope I, in the sense of, you know, you get to see how messed up the system is, yeah, which is fitting totally. for this episode because later on today I'm interviewing um, a guy who went through the prison system. But it's crazy, like totally. how they treated him, yeah. and how they treat people every day. Yeah, my brother's, he's locked up. Um, he got, got a 15 years and he got about three more years to go and he he holding strong but yeah you're exactly right they go through some BS mm-hmm. at times but um, I'm totally glad that Meat Mill is on board um, prime example 
of somebody making change with their life. Yeah, he's working, he's working Jay-Z brought him on. So mm-hmm. how do you feel that he about him working with Jay-Z? Your arch nemesis. Ooh. <laughs> my arch nemesis. <laughs> Ooh, how do you feel about that? <laughs> Ain't nobody gonna let me um turn my heart against nobody from Philly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or the bird gang. Eagles all day. Okay. <laughs> bird gang, Jim Jones with <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean I, I totally love the fact that Meek Mill's on board. Meek had to get like, rid of Nikki. She was holding him back. That's what. Uh, yeah. Jay, Jay saw that he was going to be dead. Her. I agree. I don't know if she was holding him back, but I definitely think we are experiencing a new Meek, and I like it. And I yes. even like his music more now. I like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, although Dreams and Nightmares is like my song, it's a yes. classic, but I just I like the mature Meek. You like the Did new Did you see Meek. her on Joe? Yeah, that what was you theatrics. You know, come on, man. Mm-hmm. So yes, I saw Nikki on the Joe Budden podcast. Now, did you see? Did you listen when he was on Queen Radio? Mm-hmm. Why? Why was the energy so different? That's why. I mean, that's that's what he's saying on the show. Like, you know, she's. I think it's theatrics she does because her barbs like that. On when he went on there, like we know now that he had already been talking to her, but she like turned up and was like cursing them out and calling them names and you know whatever, just screaming. She be doing a lot of screaming, man. Mm-hmm. Like when she was beefing mm. hard with Cardi, she was. I listened to like a Queen Radio episode, and she be barking. I told you, like, <laughs> like, like, what? Oh wow! Yeah, I like how she has to say her government name multiple times. Like, do you have to remember mm-hmm. who you are? <laughs> but what was interesting is that on a follow-up episode on the Joe Budden podcast, he talked about they're working on something that we'll see in the future. So I think some of that was done to show the streaming platform something and they're working on like something together mm-hmm. you know Joe's all about like dividing his content or whatever but I don't want to talk about another podcast too much sorry because this is the dope economy <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> but no and then also rap um Rhapsody she's on board yeah her new album's dope yeah too. I was gonna say I started listening to bits and pieces of that and you're so. bits and pieces of everything you know what? Hey, I'm I on started the watching show. Power, but my my power went out. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta pay that bill. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. So my man Jadena, ugh, he's so fine. I used he to look has... like him before I had kids. Stop lying. What I'm gonna need you to do is stop. I was tall and sexy and light skinned. <laughs> and I had kids. They ruin your body. I don't know if you experienced that. Oh before. my lord, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Anyways, I love Jadena's music, and yeah. he has a new album which is really good. Um, but there's a change in him. Like, he's not... He's just changed. Like, when you see him in interviews and everything. So they asked him... Uh, I was watching an interview. I think it was on... Uh, Hot 97 with Pete Rosenberg and uh, Ebro. I think. Sorry if I'm wrong about that. But anyways, he was on there. He was talking about Nipsey's influence. Like, his, his death really touched him in such a big way mm-hmm. and it made him want to go harder and, and be authentic no matter what because that's who he was and he was he was speaking as if he really knew him like mm-hmm. I guess they were friends because um, he had lived in LA mm-hmm. but he said it made him he moved out of LA he moved back to the East Coast and his roots are in the East Coast and he's just getting right back in touch and I just think Nipsey's death was so important because we needed this generation needed that like you know that inspiration piece Mm -hmm. um and of course he was a a amazing man today I'm rocking a Nipsey Hustle shirt because you know I just love him and what he stood for I was a fan of his music before he passed yeah um but he naturally influenced me because I was a fan of his and I liked the way he thinks you know what I'm saying 
so I was touched but I also have met many people who weren't really didn't really know who he was and they've Mm -hmm. been touched after after that or whatever so I just wanted to get your um, input on the influence Nipsey death and life had on you um well, I gotta always look. Why are you looking I'm at me like I gotta be the first one to go? <laughs> um, anywho, <laughs> um, I love Nipsey like way before his passing. Um, been listening to him for a couple years now. Um, matter of fact, I had been in my industry for over twelve years. Had pushed my husband to open his own business, and he's been rocking it on his own for over three years now. And he's like, well, what are you waiting for? And I was just like, I don't know. The confidence was down. Like, I know my shit because I'm on my shit. Like, I'm always, I got the A game at my business. You know, I do what I do. I'm the best at what I do. However. Talk that shit, queen. Okay. However, (laughs) you know, that fear was there still. Yeah. So it took, I was, I remember riding in my car, listening to Victory Lap one night. And... I had this vision. I said, you know what, man? I'm just going to go ahead and open up my own business. I'm not going to work for nobody else no more. You know, that's what Which I want to do. Which song about Victory Lap does that for you? Because Hustle and Motivate gets me there. Yes, Hustle and Motivate mm-hmm. um, was definitely, like, the that whole assembled, album. That is simple three, Yes, that's yes. A, that's a and one. the whole album in itself just. It's just a motivation piece, right? Yes. Like, every, it's, every song on the album had something behind it meant something to me at the moment in my life. And so I was like, you know what? If I don't, do, it's now or never. Mm-hmm. I got to do it now. Mm-hmm. And when I posted up, I wasn't even ready to go all the way. I just kind of posted up to entertain the the um, hits or who was going to book. Don't you know my boss saw that, John, and fired me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said that like he fired me. <laughs> no, she fired she- me. She fired me quick as shit, y'all. Did she, she, lo- she hit you up? No, nah, she ain't even say shit to me, yo. I went to log in and look and at my schedule work? for the week. I was like, let me prepare my mind mentally for work. <laughs> and she said, your password is invalid. I was like, whoa, what the fuck going on, right? So I called one of my homegirls, a co-worker. I said, yo, I can't log in. Can you log in and look at my schedule? So she logged in. She said, yo, your name not even in this joint no more. I said, oh, shit. Thank you for the confirmation. So I knew right then, I was like, God damn, I got two days to open up shop and make mm-hmm. this shit rock. I didn't know that that's how it started. Yeah, so, you know, and it's funny because a couple months before, I asked my brother-in-law who had opened up his own um, logo design business, um, what made him decide to step out. And he was like, when the motherfuckers told me, get out. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, that might be what I need to push to get me mm-hmm. to open. And a couple months later, that shit happened. I was like, man, I wasn't expecting that, but hey. I've been rocking it out. Since. I love it. And so I, I love you know Nipsey is a great influence. Matter of fact, black entrepreneurship is dope. Yes, and matter of fact, I have um, in my spa. I play you know a variety of stuff. I don't want to be your typical uh, spa zen music. You know, I want you to come in, relax, and feel comfortable mm-hmm. in your environment, your own mood. Yes, yeah. yes. So you know, I play different things. So you Sometimes- mean if I come get a facial with you? Mm-hmm. Um, she's an esthetician, by the way, audience. We're and massage therapist. <laughs> and massage therapist. But That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I can listen to trap music. When I'm I had, let me, a lot of you not, I had two dudes, um, three dudes. Two dudes came, got a facial. One dude got a massage. And listened to, uh, one listened to Meat Mill. 
um, Championships album, mm-hmm. and another That's one, a good album. and the other two listen to uh, Victory Laps. They put on that Nipsey Hussle for me, and I'm you know massaging away to the Nipsey Hussle, and I'm like, hey, this what they want to spend their money on, their hour, just stay mm-hmm. mind, yeah. relaxation. I'm with it, and it just influenced me to go harder. So you know, That's what's up. to each his own. It's interesting that uh, you said that. It inspired you to start your business because the Nipsey Hustle passing inspired me to start this podcast. That's why I'm wearing this shirt today because it really did, you know. Um, so I think he's had an influence on many people. Zoom, you're kind of quiet over there. Are you not on the Zipsy? The no, Zipsy I, I, I loved his message. Mind you, I wasn't on him. I knew of him. I just wasn't on his music. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh, you know, Nipsey on the West Coast. And I would catch like when I downloaded some song. I'm like, oh, this Nipsey. But I never. Well, really... I thought you said you was a West Coast listener earlier. No, no. I, when I was younger, oh. like when I was a baby, like when I was like nine, chill, Tupac. Oh, okay. You was on that thug shit. <laughs> yeah, that thug but life. when like I when I <laughs> he was then, like he's listening to Dre Day. Yeah, yeah. Sure I was off. out there. But like <laughs> then I started getting wind of it. Like certain rappers would like vouch for Nipsey and I'm like okay like you could tell because Nipsey was a real dude inside right. and out right. and then eventually like after like sadly with his passing I was like okay and then his message hit me because then you would go back and hear the interviews and the music and I was like okay and that's when I was like you know what I'm rocking with so many people that aren't for me mm-hmm. so let me just call my uncle uncle I need you to do this for me he's like all right bet and it was like just straight wolf love. It's like we only love family because that's the only person I can count on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then with his passing, it's like you saw so many people that you he probably thought were cool with him, and now they're you like there was so many stories about how people were selling his you know merchandise that weren't even like none of the proceeds were going to him. So it was just like I loved the message with the whole entrepreneurship and you know just independentness because you know. What did he sell his CD for like a hundred dollars back in the day? Oh, he was smart. He limited. Yes. He yeah. didn't have CD release. He limited supply them. and demand, and baby. Then, and then Jay Z ended up buying like I think it was some crazy amount, like ten thousand dollars worth of them. Or and whatever, and Lauren Lauren bought a bunch of them for the I think she was in this yeah for this Christmas or whatever it was. Yeah, for the, the movie um, she was in. I think Chris Brown was in that show. Yeah. I thought it was for the games we play, the TV show she's in now. Or, Maybe I'm wrong. No, no, it was when they first started dating a minute ago. Yeah, it was. It was, it was like, early. This Christmas. You're yeah. right. So it probably was. And that's that. how they actually met, I think. But I felt so heartbroken and more saddened for uh, Lauren and his family. Yeah, I for guess, sure. You know. I feel I feel, I feel the like worst for her Black Sam and Lauren. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean his parents too. His mom yeah. though, she's really into African spirituality and mm-hmm. she's very um, at peace about it. So I don't think about it as much, even though as a parent, you know, yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. But it's like Lauren looks heartbroken and, and his brother looks devastated, yes. like in the eyes. Yes. He doesn't have the, no more part of his face. You know, but it's like he lost a part of himself. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, he's fighting for. Uh, control of his estate which I think he's the one who should have it but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if they've awarded it yet because they've already mm-hmm. been sued they were sued by a, a record company said that Nipsey owed them money well I more know. conspiracy theory mm-hmm. stuff that yeah we already you know. don't even want to hear me blab on about <laughs> well talking about um, crazy theories and happenings uh, did anybody hear about Paul Mooney this kind of pains me to talk about it but we have to talk about it well, Paul Mooney was accused, accused by a former bodyguard of sexually assaulting Richard Pryor's son. And the son 
supposedly has also confirmed this, which gives a whole other layer. Well, I don't know the limit uh, statute. Uh, statute limitation. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know that for the situation, how old the time frames, whatever. You know, I just can say I'm not surprised. I mean, love Paul Mooney. He's funny, mm-hmm. but. I'm not surprised. And you have to understand, there's probably. I'm not saying it happened or didn't happen because I wasn't there, but the availability of it happening is pretty high because if you're around Richard and you're probably around his family, mm-hmm. and Richard seemed like he was open to you know invite people in and what have you, so the possibility is there for it happening. Now, why is it coming out now? That's what I'm. I'm wondering. Yeah. Like, what's the motive? Because in this day yeah, and age, everybody can saying. say something, and you can cancel somebody and get mm-hmm. money. Yeah, from. I mean, if it's been thirty um, years ago, I mean, I don't know. I don't what think the any of here? us was surprised that, to learn that he was gay. Yeah. But as far as the other stuff, you know, that doesn't just make you a pedophile. So mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, what I'm saying it's just, ugh, yikes. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm just. I'm not surprised with the things that go on in the industry. I'm just not surprised. No, not at all. Uh, I just looked it up. It says that he's canceled show for health reasons after his yeah, scandal. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Right after. So we give Paul probably about six months before something happens to him or something. That's the only what happens. You know, an allegation and something else happens and then too much for the person. Yeah. But well, he seemed, it says Richard Pryor Jr. seems to confirm it. It says seems to. You gotta be careful. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Did he or he he didn't, but he did it. It's like, right. It's like, yes or no. He was well, uh, this speaking one to time, TMZ and they said, camp? Is there any truth that you and Paul Mooney had sexual relationship? And Richard Pryor Jr. said, Well, whatever happened in my life, it happened when I was young, way before the eighties. Was it a consensual See, consensual relationship? How could any relationship be consensual if I was a teenager? No. Paul Mooney's denied the claims. Do you have anything you want to say to him? And Rupture Pryor Jr. said, I really have nothing to say about the situation. And people don't think about that either. What if he didn't want this out? What if that boy is a victim, but he doesn't want the whole world yeah, to be Yeah, because it like he's did, kind did of... the bodyguard talk like, to him first and say, hey, I'm about to blow your life up? Yeah, because it seems now? like his answers or responses are kind of like dodging bullets mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. If it didn't happen, he would have just straight up been like, no, nah, that shit didn't happen. No, I think... so. You know what I think happened by... If you're just judging by, by his response, I think... Him and Paul Mooney had a relationship, which we know is still being a pedophile. Mm-hmm. But in his mind, he's thinking like, "Well, I was in, I was into it, so I'm not gonna call it that." But now that I'm older, I was mm-hmm. young, but I still have these feelings. Could have been. That's what I'm thinking. Like he's struggling You're with. You're going it. deep with it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. At the end of the day, I mean, if Paul Mooney did that. It's gross. You know, what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. he's to me a comedic legend. But I'm going. I will forever look at him different. Yeah. You know, Does but I gotta wait for more details. Yeah, it's. He'd probably have to, there's probably more if he ever passes away. And then there's probably, obviously, the man's gonna come out like, well, this is what happened. Here's all the details you need. Now. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of weird how you come out. If I like, me personally, as a dude, I don't know if I would be able to come out and be like, hey, somebody like stuck me in the butt. Like, I just don't know. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of men, just because of the way society is set up to not allow men to express themselves, yeah. are very scared to admit that they were molested. Mm-hmm. Like, and then if they are molested by a woman, people that I've known in my life 
um, and other you know celebrities you hear talk about it they they do it almost like a badge of honor because mm-hmm. that's what's acceptable like oh yeah yeah even though this is a woman yeah it kind of makes them boy. advanced you his know? balls hadn't even dropped yet you yeah. know what I'm saying and they're doing something crazy but they, it makes them feel like they're advanced or they accomplished something mm-hmm. like what was that know? noise it's my heart <laughs> <laughs> it makes that noise when I get excited talking about older women I like older women I like oh women God. that have like ARP and handicap stickers that's where I'm at do you? yeah I can park every, I park real close when I go to movies when I take baby I'm a little Ethel out not Ethel 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 she don't even Newports. dare my Ethel park up close I don't feel like walking baby let me go that's get your great grandmother look, look let me go get your wheelchair I got you baby oh my God <laughs> alright well next this is part of a segment where I'm going to um, give like a, a fact a historical fact Cool. Every cool. episode, right? So I'm just gonna hit y'all with something. I didn't give you. I didn't give you this. Enlighten me. Give me some it. knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> knowledge. Drop That's the right. knowledge. From 1514 to 1866, more than 12.5 million African captives were captured were forced on um, onto about 40,000 European ships. The transatlantic slave trade database estimates, right? Mm-hmm. So I should have read it a lot easier. Does it sound like a little automated service? But you know, that's what we have. Basically, um, there was over 12.5 million slaves. And you know, the, the his, history shows, and they say that at least 2 million died on the slave trade alone. When you hear that, the sheer numbers of it, as a black person in America, when you really think about that, what is that? I mean, remember the Million Man March was like a million people. Mm-hmm. This is 12.5. How does that make you feel? I feel sick. Like, just disgusted. Yeah. Mm. Um, anger, I guess, would be the best mm-hmm. word for me. Angry. Um, Angry about it? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, the reason why I asked that... Hold on. So, it is the 400-year anniversary of the transatlantic slave trade. Um, As we know, 12.5 million Africans were um, shipped to America from usually West Africa and put into slavery in deplorable conditions in this country. And I think people um, downplay it because in, in society we watch these slave movies, which I don't need to ever see another slave movie. Mm-hmm. I think they've done that to death. But well, we you watch know these. the new Harriet Tubman movie is supposed to be coming out in November, I think. Harriet Tubman movie? Mm-hmm. Who's playing Harriet? Who is playing Harriet? I don't know. It's just key information. You can't just say that. And I'm just saying, I, I kind of heard it on the, on the well. Uh, I like the lady I'll who even look it up Harriet right Tubman now. on that underground show. That was a real good show. Even though it was about slavery, it was different. It was showing us a Viola smart. Davis could play Harriet Tubman. I love Viola Davis. We got other black women. Why we always we do we okay look look <laughs> black people. We always famous for recycling some actors. Look, look, she I'm not sure who else could play. Like, her. Look, that, everybody gotta have their little time span and yeah. and remember Angela Bassett got her little run. Angela uh-huh. Bassett is so underrated and she deserves love her, an Oscar. Love her. I didn't say she was. I just said she was. I'm talking her. to whoever is in control in the green lighting. Okay, so the movie black. is called Harriet. It's an upcoming American biographical film. Um it stars Cynthia Erivo as Tubman. I'm not sure who she is. Let's see. Oh. Okay. Obviously, she's a British actress. What do you think about that? 
when the when the British people be playing American black yeah. people. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How, I mean, I forgot what actor said it, but they said like they're just acting wise, they're training better. Mm-hmm. Like some, you know, they have proper training. They go through the yeah, Shakespeare. because yeah. The Wire yeah. is my favorite show of all That's time. True. I can't even name That's how many true. times I watched it, and I was blown away when Idris Elba started the talking movie. in an interview. Oh my god, and he is like, so what? fine. That's that's another one. Oh but anyway, this He's movie is supposed to be. <laughs> he was in there too. He's like, you're gonna either take Method Man or Idris. You cannot have you both. Can't have both. You gotta pick one. There's a fire. Maxwell. What? Hey. And Maxwell, man. I'll take him number one any day. Lord. Anyway, this Harriet movie is supposed to release November 1st of 2019. So, What other movies has the, has the main star been in? Yeah. Okay, now you want me to dig deep. Okay. Click her picture in this. Okay, I'm doing it. Give me a second. Calm down. Okay. Probably nothing if she's British. No disrespect. Like. Okay, Bad Times at the El Royale. <laughs> Is that a movie? Widows. That sounds like a, a Western. <laughs> Widows came out 2018. Oh, Widows. I, okay. The Rape of Reese Taylor. Okay, so she was in the Reese Taylor movie. Oh, I didn't see that. I, must I didn't see that. it either, but obviously so. I must have went to Blockbuster. Um, and some other stuff that just doesn't seem pretty interesting mm. at all. Oh, wow. Why do you do that to that ladies? I mean, Needle in a Time Stack, never heard of it. Chaos, Chaos Walking, never heard of that. She may be big in Britain. Maybe Britain. so. Yeah, she Maybe may be so. bigger in Britain. Which, okay, okay. I wanted to talk about, hmm, let me see which order we're going to go in. We're going to yeah. go in the... I don't know, 400 years though, if we're celebrating 400 years, that's literally like four generations ago. That's mm-hmm. what I tried to tell my daughter. Like, like that's creepy, right? That is so mm-hmm. creepy. It's not that long ago. No, not long at all. 400 years seems like a long time but it's really not and I don't even, that's not even the end of it that's like right. you know what I'm saying so right. that's how society and the history makes it seem like 400 years that was like years like, no. and then the kids be like well that has nothing to do with me and you realize it does right so as far as uh, we did get off topic but we talked about the British actors what do y'all think about British comedies I don't find them funny at all uh, maybe when they're written in British like context is different like Death at a Funeral is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. I will crack up, but when I watch the British version, I just that's with Tracy Morgan in it, right? No, exactly. Death at a Funeral. It has everybody. Chris Rock, yeah, right? Yeah, everybody. It Chris Rock and then... Chris Rock, Martin mm-hmm. Lawrence, uh, Kevin yeah. Hart, Tracy okay. Morgan, Danny Glover. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Well, like even when like wasn't Shameless was British, and then they brought it over to the States. yeah, and I like the I like the Shameless American yeah. version, but I can't watch that other one. Maybe because it just I don't know. I mean, and. Forgive me for saying this. You don't even have Hulu. Exactly. But forgive me for saying this. Like, isn't like LMA British or whatever? Like, mm-hmm. I love her accent when she's talking, but she don't sound British when she's saying it, do she? No, but nobody does. <laughs> I, I know. Isn't like, that weird? Jeffrey Osborne. Would you woo, woo, woo? You can really speak English. <laughs> I know. Like, I didn't know that. But is that not funny? <laughs> like, they don't sound like it when they sing. Even like, even white actors when they're like, they're Australian or something like that. Like Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Hugh is okay. Yes. Oh, All my God. That makes Hugh Jackman. Like, right, right, right. But Hugh Jackman is hot too for a white guy. Oh, my totally God. Hot. Totally hot for a white guy. You yeah. know who's hot for a white dude? Yeah. Is uh, the dude who... I don't, I don't know why I said hot. I don't even be saying hot. I just said it because you said it. I don't even talk like that. <laughs> That's what I, feel like. I feel like you made me say hot. Anyway, <laughs> um, the dude who plays Jax on Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know what his name before. is. I think yeah. he was going to, at one point, play the guy on the Fifty Shades of Grey joint. Huh? Yeah, Ponytail. 
on the show he did, but then he cut his hair. He, okay. he looked good either way. You know, that's like how I feel with Maxwell, you know. He had the hair, and I was kind of like, ah, I love the music. But then when he cut the hair off, I was like, woo, who the hell is this? And when he this? cut the hair, he looked good. Yes, Lord. And that like, album big was change. so big I used to love Maxwell, too, before I kissed. You used to love Maxwell? Maxwell's like music is, like, <laughs> off the chain. I just love me some Maxwell. I wrote his last album, you know, all right? I just think, I didn't so... give it to him. What's your favorite Maxwell song? The one that starts, like, <laughs> that one. This Woman's Work? <laughs> yeah. It's a Kate Bush song. He just remade it. Well, that's better no, when he did it. No. Do you know what that song is about? Fine, tell me. Okay, so you know the movie keep uh, she's keeping the baby or she's having a baby in the eighties. I think it has Kevin Bacon. It's told from the perspective of him watching his wife go through childbirth. Mm. It, it makes the song a totally oh, different wow. song when you know that, right? So Maxwell's song that joint, like you know, what I'm saying like it was an anthem to ode to women. I like mm. version. Yeah. I got so many women pregnant with this and that song. Oh my god. <laughs> But if, if they don't tell me it's my kid, I can't be in trouble. You gotta oh tell me. It's hey, you know what? Let's talk about something real quick. I just thought about that when you did that. Don't make that that face. You know, on the Chappelle special where he talks about, where he jokes about um, the abortion with women mm-hmm. and men shouldn't be able to. Right, mm-hmm. it's his choice. Do, but he also choice. said if the woman decides to keep the baby, I shouldn't mm-hmm. pay for it. That he right. shouldn't have the men should have the option to not pay for it. If a woman can. Take the life of a baby, he should be able to at least neglect neglect the baby, right? <laughs> Which is a hilarious joke. But yes, what do y'all think about that? Like, if you, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's meant to be a sad, joke. It's meant it's, to make you think. It's right? sad but true. It's so true. Like, so you think men like, should be able to say, uh, you know, they they smash, they get a girl pregnant, but they wasn't really wanting to have a baby. They tell her, yeah, I'm not gonna be in that baby's life. Peace out. And she decided she to keep able, the baby anyway. And she shouldn't be able to come after him for child support. You believe that? I mean, I don't know. I really I think financially. Because I'm broke as shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Financially, I would say you somebody has to help take care of no, this child. No, nobody has to. But at but the same who, time. who? Who says At you the have same to... time, because then it's left on society, and that's getting into politics and taxes and all that other stuff and welfare. However. But the thing is, if you allow the women yes, to make yes. the, all the decisions, that isn't fair. Yeah, that's you're, true. You're trapping us. That's very because, true. Well, cause people will because say, most say, of the time, it's, women it's keep body, a baby to keep choice. a man anyway. My Sad body, my say. choice, don't let, you know, this guy make a choice, but we're making a choice that's affecting him, too. Right. I'm not saying I agree or disagree either way. I think it's, I think it was a smart joke because it really created you thought. Think. Yeah. Something I hadn't thought about, you know, yeah. in that particular. Um, Patrice O'Neill said, he said, safe sex is a woman's responsibility. No, that was a joke. Mm-hmm. But it was like, it kind of is. Um, what? <laughs> safe sex. Not okay. sex in general. So... Uh oh. I love Patrice O'Neill. Um, and I know that he likes to say polarizing things, but let's talk about this. Um, so what the women should be using what? A female condom? They haven't even perfected that yet. Those well, things are not even know, hanging up in the stores. If they on a regular put basis. the taxpayers' money to it, they could perfect it. Prevent it with like with I don't a, know, I'm not a doctor. Hold on. Hold on. Are you talking about <laughs> No no no. Are you talking about safe sex as it only as it pertains to Having a baby because there are diseases is it the out here. Taking responsibility to make sure that you guys have condoms when you get to their house. Sometimes you don't get to the house, okay? Okay. See, you know what? And a lot of people think like you. That's what's crazy. Is it the woman's obligation to have the condoms? But then y'all look at us like a hoe. That bitch got condoms in the drawer. Yeah, we can't. <laughs> I don't judge women. If, we if can't we be keep, both. 
Right. Well, I like classy. Nigga, I'm trying to be safe. So you like classy. You like women who wear bloomers, don't you? Yeah, like I, I told you, Ethel wears bloomers. Don't be talking Who's about Ethel? my my ninety year old chick that got ARP and the handicap sticker. Oh, I am oh. so weak. I like Ethel. <laughs> well, thank you guys for coming today. I had Appreciate a good time it. with you. Yep. Have Even fun. though we had a little bit of technical difficulties at first, but. We got real drunk and got to discuss some topics, so it's good. Except for um, Mr. Goody Two Shoes over here, he doesn't do anything. Yeah. I'm sorry. Party pooper. I I don't poop at parties. <laughs> Bye. What did I say again? <laughs> What's that? That's ridiculous. Oh, I was gonna say it's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So I wanted to get into something a little more serious now before I bring in my next guest on. And I want to talk about mass incarceration as it pertains to black people in America. You may have heard it referred to as the new slavery and not really understand why people refer to it as that. And I can assure you it is a form of slavery. Now, of course, let me go ahead and preface this by saying we know that there are certain people who belong in prison. We know that there are um, situations that people do deserve to spend time in jail for certain crimes. We also know that many of us are affected by mass incarceration or the prison system or the trap. Um, we also refer to the trap as like the drug house or where you sell drugs at. But to me, the trap starts very, very young. It starts in the conditioning of the mind and then it goes to the school system and the, we have the school to prison pipeline as it pertains to us. There are things that people don't understand and they're like, why would you call it the new slavery? It's nothing like it. It's very different, but there, a profit is being made off of your back as a product. So my goal is to shed a little light on that and to let you understand that it's not sweet out here. Like you can do a crime and think, oh, my, my guidelines are just three years. So, you know what I'm saying? I just serve a certain amount of time of that, I'll be home. But no, we have discretionary guidelines where a judge can give you way more time than that just because he wants to and the fact of the matter remains that black males in particular receive 19.1 percent longer sentences for the same exact crimes as their white counterparts so as we know that there's systemic racism throughout this country it definitely shows its head in the way that we um convict people, the way that we arrest people, the way that we suspend people from schools, that is all intertwined. And until that's addressed, we're going to keep getting longer sentences or having our lives uprooted in a different way than our counterparts. I'm not saying that we want special treatment, but we definitely need at least equal treatment. So today I want to shed light on that. The United States makes up 5% of the world's population, yet we control and hold 25% of the world's prison population. There's something inherently wrong with that. And the reason why we are able to do that and we want to do that as a country is because we have for-profit prisons. So 20% of our federal inmates are in for-profit pr prisons. This started in 1983, I believe. Um, and then by 1986, the Corrections Corporation of America was a publicly traded company, and we have seen the prison industry grow to over $70 billion industry. So most people be like, well, you know, they have to make money some way or whatever, and that's not a big deal. It, well, it really is a big deal because we've increased our prison rate by 400% since the 70s. 
So you would think, oh, well, you know, I hear these terms like black on black crime and um, there's just, people are just way more evil nowadays or there's more crime. Well, I'm here to tell you that that's not true. So addressing the black on black crime tagline or whatever, um, that's a myth. <laughs> that is something that is made up in media talk to make people be conditioned to think that black people are inherently more evil than other people. The fact remains that people tend to commit crimes against people that they live in proximity to. So you'll see more white people committing crimes against white people, more Asian people committing crimes against Asian people, more Latinos, and so on and so on. Now, of course, in areas where there is more poverty, there's going to be higher crime rates. If you understand what has happened and where we are at as a state in black America, then you understand why there is more poverty in our neighborhoods because it was designed to be that way. The ghettos were designed, the hoods was designed, all the way to the point of redlining and not letting us move certain places. That was all designed. So you will have some increased um, pockets in America of crime rates, but we are not inherently more evil and just out here wanting to wild out and commit more crimes and kill all these different people. Um, but they would have you believe that. Then you would, you know, have people who say, well, you know, the prison rates have increased because the world is just so much more evil. But the truth is, since 1991, which was the peak in the crime um, rates in America, crime has actually come down by half. So we actually have less crime. Our crime rates have went down, but our prison population has went up. If, when you get into learning about mass incarceration, you understand that there are things put in place to funnel more prisoners into prisons. In fact, they have a quota to meet. So we understand that these are the things that are going on and we can sit here all day and say, oh, it's messed up and they shouldn't be like that. And oh, that's racist and this and that. But we have to think about solutions. You have to make smarter decisions for your life. You have to teach your children how not to fall victim. Um, and somebody may listen to this and say, well, you can do everything great and they still lock you up. You know, there's it's so many innocent people and that is definitely true. And we need to fight that good fight as well. But the fact remains that you are responsible for yourself and you really need to be aware of the tricks. Don't let nobody trick you off the street so you won't be able to see your family and your kids and all this stuff. And don't get involved in something that you think looks all great and not really understand the repercussions of it. So today I have a special guest here to help shed light on that. I wanted to bring someone on who not only went through the prison system, but was able to not fall into the pitfalls of recidivism, which is um, when you get out and you have to go right back in. This person was able to change his life and this person was also able to learn the, the, the um, law and help get his sentence reduced because he learned that he had gotten far more than he was supposed to get. He is not innocent of the things that he did, but the way that he was accused of those things was a little um, different than probably his counterpart would have been accused of. So we just wanted to shed light on that and then give you a story that does have more of a happy ending. When I decided to do this um, particular topic for the first episode, I knew that there was only one person I wanted to have as a guest on um, the Dope Dichotomy. This king is 
a local entrepreneur and he knows a lot about the prison system because he was in prison and his story is quite profound. Mr. Antoine Carey, how are you? I'm, I'm well. First and foremost, I'd like to you know thank you for such a wonderful invitation to be a part of this. I congratulate you on all your endeavors and you know it's, um, it's a blessing to be able to be here. Well, I appreciate you coming in today. So what I want to do is have you just tell the people who don't know your story, who aren't familiar with Faded and Company, your local barbershop and brand, um, just give them a little background of how you found yourself in the prison system. So again, my name is Antoine Carey. I am the owner and operator of Faith and the Company Barbershop. We've been a barbershop that's been established in Fredericksburg since 2016. Uh, a little bit of my background, I was in fact incarcerated um, back in 08 uh, for several felony charges. It was during my incarceration that I found myself in Haynesville Correctional Center and I was blessed to be able to be in the barbering program there. Uh, I received my barber's license while incarcerated, and upon my release, was able to work in a barber shop in downtown Fredericksburg, uh, leading to being able to open up my own barber shop, Fade in the Company. Okay, so for many who don't know, they may hear your story and go, "Oh, he must have grown up with a rack of stuff going on in his life and, and really horrible childhood." Um, was your childhood like that? Um, to be honest, like, no, my, my childhood was pretty much regular. Uh, I grew up in a divorced family. However, my father was still, you know, very active in my life. Um, I didn't grow up in the city. I grew up in the country, the um, town of Tappahannock. Uh, you know, like I say, pretty much a, a normal childhood, minus a lot of crime and violence that I was brought up around. You know, however, I still felt myself drawn to uh, the less favorable um, lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, have you ever sat and thought about why you were drawn to that? Because you, that is something that um, seems to be true with a lot of young black males, even if they're not raised in the hood or raised around a whole bunch of violence and they might even come from a two-parent household sometimes they find themselves still caught up in what we call you know the trap the system all right so you know i first i would say like most ills of america is like you know i i, I wouldn't say that there's you know one specific reason to pinpoint you know what I'm saying that that will bring about these issues uh you know it's a combination of things um i wouldn't necessarily put it just on uh, the media as far as music or TV that we watch um, you know again you know you have a lot of outside influences not necessarily people that you're directly attached to but you know even indirectly you know you may uh, befriend someone that you know their circumstances is more relative to those type of those type of circumstances in which case you know you, you kind of uh, 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 exposed to that um, but why exactly that's appealing you know is it, it, it still it still boggles me I personally believe that um, 
those of us in the diaspora here in America are often drawn to that because there's a conditioning that has been put forth that tells us that we're not real if we don't have this, we don't do this, you know, we, we're not hard, we're not that. And those things are subconscious and they're dropped on us little by little, even by way of stereotypes. When you see people in movies who look like yourself and 95% of the time they are the criminals or whatever, and that, that becomes glorified, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then you have a lot of situations in life where um, because of systemic policies, it may be harder for people to get jobs or things like that. So it's easier to go into a lifestyle that you really should have been messing with in the first place. But I, I believe, like you said, like there's a whole range of reasons. Um, and then some of it's just human, right? Because like, why do, why do girls like bad boys? Same thing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You're drawn always, to it. I always look at like, so if you see a, a Discovery Channel and you see, you know, a cheetah chasing a gazelle, you mm-hmm. know, naturally, you know, there are those that, you know, are waiting to see the gazelle get away. Then, you know, then... There's others that's you know just waiting for the moment that the cheetah you know snatch the gazelle. I be I be just waiting for the cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm, I'm, I'm I want to see him eat. Yeah, I'm know? not even going I'm not yeah. even going up front like you know I like gangster movies. I yeah. like the mafia movies, and it's not just black people. We all like that kind of stuff. But, you know, but, same but, for the I, one, one. But as far as the, the criminal the criminal side though, but but isn't that you know more of us than it is them? What do you mean? Now I mean to say like, all right, so you know, I don't, and I don't, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but like, you know, even with with, with my documentary is like, my son, which is nine years old, Silas has watched the documentary more than anybody, mm-hmm. and of all the jewels that's in there or things to grasp hold of is like, but dad, why, you know, what did you use to make the drugs look like that? Do the drugs really look like that? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bro, why did, out of everything that you've seen, you got 20 minutes worth of footage here, but like, those is what draw your eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and my son, he, you know, he hasn't, you know, grown up, he has grown up around being exposed to stories about what Pops did, but it's like, but you ain't seen none of that. No, know? but he's he's already nine. He's been conditioned, is what I'm saying. Yes. There's conditioning that happens little by little. So that might be why he might be curious. And, you know, you're just curious when you're young. You know, he's very smart. I know Silas. Like, you know, he's smart. So he's going to wonder, <laughs> you know. So, anyways, when you first became incarcerated um tell me a little bit about that what happened um you saying as far as the charges or yes. just the experience all right so Both. all right so uh you know through childhood you know i had my first brush with the law when i was maybe 15 years old and i was a possession of possession of marijuana i was still in high school um you know, I, I did end up doing well, you know, outside of being suspended from school, expelled from school for having marijuana, you know, you did the little alternative ed, which is quote unquote night school. Um, in night school, you have guys that have delved in more uh, extensive or, you know, saying they had more real life severe charges. So, you know, you spend time around them. So then when you go back to school, you know, like you are already fascinated with different things. Uh, my second brush, well, my 
my first felony charges wasn't until I was 22 years old. Um, and now you charged with possession of cocaine with intent to distribute. You charged with possession of a firearm while in possession of drugs. Um, this was my first adult incarceration, in which case you end up doing a year and a half there. Uh, there was at the regional jail where, you know, you pretty much around uh, guys that you already know from the streets. So, like, it's, it's kind of like a badge of honor at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to be in there with the, the quote-unquote cool guys. And um, But time is moving so fast. So by the time you really get in there and get situated, you know, play a couple games of spades, work out a little bit, it's like it's time to come back home. What um, made you graduate from selling bud to selling coke? I know you say you got exposed to it, but you coming from the background that you came from, what made you say, hmm, I could do, I, like, what, like, what was the motivating factor? I, was so, it money? Was so, it? So in 2001, I went to college in, in Norfolk State. Um, while in Norfolk State, like, I got homeboys that's from the country, you know, so weekly they would come down to visit with me. Now, by that time, this was uh, sophomore year, I'd already moved off campus, so I do have an apartment. Um, but my homeboys, that's from back down the way, they would come down there, you know, hang out on campus, chase after the girls, this, that, and the third. But, like, but they were selling crack at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so they'll be out there. They'll post with me, you know, Sunday to Thursday. Thursday, like, they going back up the road. Like, they get money Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and they back out there, you know, kicking with me. Now, I'm eating noodles of noodles. These jokers is pulling up with cars with rims on them and jewelry and, you know, this, that, and the third. And it's like... I supposed to be winning because I'm I'm in school, but like they up, you mm -hmm. know where what what it appears to be like they up. Uh, now I ran into a plug down in Norfolk at the time. Um, I was able to to really get my hands or get access to cocaine, and before I know it, like I was scheduling uh, my college classes around being able to go back up the road with them on Thursdays and sell coke. Um, you know, and, and it was it, it was a money thing. It was a numbers game at that time. It's like you're still smoking a whole lot of weed, so you know you don't make the money off of weed that you make off of coke. So you know that 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 kind of opened up that door, and like it was too easy not to. You mm -hmm. know, it, it was too easy not to. Um, I always associated with my homeboys that was moving around. So when I got plugged in, it's like they they expecting you to have that. Talking about you know sending folks back up the street. So it's like. It was too easy not to. Did you ever feel guilty or bad about what you were doing while, while that particular um, moment in your life was taking place, when you started selling coke because your background was a little different, you knew that your mom wouldn't have approved, so? Nah, I was, I would say like, like I had blinders on because I, I lived somewhat of a, of a sheltered lifestyle or mm -hmm. you know that was my upbringing so um it like it wasn't until much later when I was in prison and I was around dudes that grew up in the city that was doing things that I was doing to know like but like y'all was real live dealing with robberies or you know saying murders being committed for real because mm -hmm. like won't enough won't this was a part of I was playing the same game but I wasn't playing with the same uh circumstances that they was playing with um so you know, at that time, it's like nah. It was like say it, it was a that was that was the cool thing to do. Like you know, it, it was a cool thing to be known as a drug dealer. You know, it was a cool thing to to know that you know I, I could spend X amount of dollars here tonight and you know 
but I still got a pack coming. So mm-hmm. you know, the, the 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 money really, the money itself really didn't have no value so much as you know this rep that came along with it. Okay. So bring me up to date on what led you to your last prison stint where you changed your life. All right, so it was a situation where uh, in the streets, like you had droughts. You know, at times uh, work is 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 freely available, then at other times, for you know whatever whatever reason, you know, something like work is not readily available. So the crazy idea I had was, you know, you down to last three four thousand dollars. You know, we driving all the way to Baltimore, D.C., Philly, whatnot to try and get work now. You only getting it as a as a double up um, price or whatnot because you know things is is, is um, I don't want things is, is not say what you gotta say yeah like like the streets is fucked up right now yeah okay so you know you dealing with folks that you shouldn't be dealing with you know you putting yourself in harm's way for somebody robbing you you know we didn't had a couple of times we didn't went all the way up the road and we didn't got some fake shit and. You know what I mean? All those things of that sort. So it's like, all right, boom, we're going to take the last little bit of bread I got and we're going to host a party. We're going to charge people to get in. You know, we're going to charge them for drinks, you know, this, that, and the third for real, like just to, to buy it over or whatnot. And for those of you who are listening, um, that's what we do. We throw parties and charge people. <laughs> <laughs> it was just crazy, though. Like, yo, Ian's not meeting, but like, all right, let's throw a party. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, but you what Jay Z say when there's a drought, get your umbrellas out because that's when I brainstorm. Well, you know, you know I won't brainstorm, but I was always acting complete you can try fool. You try to get it, yo, complete <laughs> fool. So, uh, situation take place. You know, there was a dispute between me and the homeowner where I was throwing the party at. Uh, you know, words was exchanged. Um, now I was carrying a firearm at that time. Uh, situation erupted. I ended up discharging the, the, the firearm a couple times and whatnot at, at this individual. And, you know, that brought about, like, some real serious charges, you know, mm-hmm. more serious than, you know, just having some work and being running around out on the streets. Like, now you're dealing with, you know, firearms and things of that sort. Did you feel like your life was threatened? Or you just wanted to scare no, him? Not at all. Like, again, you got that rep, like... You got to do it because everybody watching. people out here like, yeah. like, you can't talk to me any kind of way, man. And you know, like, this college boy. And you know I got that on me. Why are you talking to me like mm-hmm. that? Um, but still, you know, looking back, something I, that just completely ignorant, like, the, you know, the worst, the, the most stupid thing I've ever done in my life. Um, but having having had did that is like now you face with real life charges like it's getting know. real um but you know I, I so when i was arrested i was given my sentence or whatnot um you no longer going to the rat to the regional jail now like you actually going to prison you know you're going somewhere off to where it's like but you don't know nobody and you do have a real number and you know that the guy that's you know sleeping you know above you or in the next cell like yo he he has a similar offense like this and this is what he does this is not somebody that's you know posing to be this type of way like he this he's shown enough um and and, and it was there it's like all right but John, you you not him like you know I, i'm I, i'm not him mm-hmm. um so you went to court and they gave you a rack of time. All right, so my, my original sentence was for this case was 12 years uh, for attempted second-degree murder, uh, shooting inside an occupied dwelling, possession of a firearm by a felon, and use of a firearm in the commission of a felony. So they gave you an attempted murder charge. Did, did you actually 
shoot dude. Nah, nah, and that's and that's oh my great. They just gave you. I'm just saying it for the young people just, listening. No, they can they can hit you with charges. For, even yeah, if, just 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 for and they see like and I had no intentions on harming this man. Like like really was kind of out there playing. You know? Yeah. Did I in fact fire the gun? Yes. Did I in fact shoot in his direction? Yes. Uh, when when my people's actually grabbed me and told me like you know get out of here it's like yo I still got like seven shots left in the gun mm-hmm. you know he's in the next room so it was like you know I, I could have easily shot through the door and, and could have shot him if that's exactly what I wanted to do but like but you know when the white folk pick it up like they're not looking at it like that mm-hmm. you're looking at it like alright you charge that him. gun yes and then you're facing you know one of the highest charges that, that you didn't seen or whatnot, and like it's, it's, it's real now um Okay, so they hit you in the head with these charges. Up until that point, did you know much about mass incarceration and how it pertains to um, black people in this country and how it's an extension of slavery? Did you know anything about any all. of that? Not, not Nothing at all. At all. Not okay. At all. Did you feel like like I don't want to say blown because that's like a minimized word, but did you feel like this is crazy? Like all like how how much time you got uh, off of that? I initially I was blown behind. So like when you catch a case in Virginia, they run your sentencing guidelines. Sentencing guidelines are basically discretionary guidelines that takes into account uh you know your education, your your upbringing, your your family history. Like basically they compile everything that they know about you. And they match it along with the actual charge and what this charge could possibly carry. And they will give you a guidelines and say, okay, like this is a reasonable sentence for said person for said crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, up until that point, it's like everybody I knew when they get their sentencing guidelines is like you're going to be sentenced with somewhere within this range. So for my guidelines to come back to two years or two years and four months and for the judge to put an extra 10 active years on it's like I'm blown by that because it's like yo he really like he, he really just just oiled me up what they would say you know um, but it's, it's once you actually hit state grounds and you know you moving around with other dudes that you know I, I was blessed to have a you know I, I, I was in a position when I got to prison uh, which was a level 4 that was Buckingham Correctional Center out in Dillwood County you know out of the dudes that I rock with is like I, I had a twelve year active sentence, but like my, my my man Deuce got a twenty year sentence. Threes or, or trades, what we call them, like trades got like a sixty year sentence. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like dudes got so much time to where it's just like I can't even speak about the time that I got because you feel like you minimizing it. So so the thing that I learned when I got to prison is like there's nothing so special about my situation like you know like this is something that that's is is profound in the penal system is like man there's a, a gang of dudes that have similar if not worse circumstances man that you know they fell victim to um you know even with a, a 12 year sentence like that's not a comparison to you know, the 16-year-old there that they just gave 40 years to, 50 years. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this this is something that happens, you know. Um, yeah, I done watched a lot of Lock Up Raw and MSNBC and all this, but it's like, but to show enough be here 
and you know to walk the yard with dudes that you know basically got their head knocked off behind doing little or nothing um my little homie now he probably uh he, he, he may be like late 20s now but like bro got 30 years behind a VE at night Mm-hmm. You know, and all he did, he broke in some people's town. I was like in his neighborhood, you know what I'm saying, um, to steal some video games. But a BNE at night is a violent offense. Why? Because they expect you to, to do something violent in order to carry out your offense. Like, bro, I ain't never woke up with a female before. Like, you know, he didn't snuck in a chick crib or something, you know, while our parents went home before, you know, they got home from work or something. But it's like, yeah, bro, you never rented a hotel room. You never woke up with a woman before, you know, and you got a 30-year bed. Like, bro, you're going to be an old man before you touch. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to um, do this particular episode because I think people don't really grasp how it really is. So you can do something. They'd be like, oh, well, the time for that, most people just get five years or whatever. Well, they're knocking people's heads off. They're giving way more time. They're doing all types of things, especially if you're a person of color. If you're a poor person of color, they're going to get you. So it's a trap all the way around. Not just the drug house is a trap. The whole thing is a trap. You know, so record numbers. We got to definitely be smarter about our choices and get that information out to our youth even younger because Mm -hmm. they think it's glamorous and stuff. Nah, it's not glamorous when you ain't never going to see your people again. Like, that's not glamorous. So, like, with, with, with me, with Antoine, it's like, all right, I do have faith in the company. I do own a barbershop. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like... Well, before we get there... Okay. So, you're in prison. Yeah. I know, because I know your story, so you see the time you got, and you started doing your own research. Yeah. Tell me about that. I so, like... Again, like, I'm first and foremost, like, I'm completely guilty of the charges that I was mm-hmm. charged and sentenced and convicted of. Like, I did that. Uh, but because I was given so much time, I, I, I never felt as if the punishment was validated by the crime. You mm-hmm. know, you know, yeah, I was shooting a gun. Yeah, I did have a gun, you know. But I know that I won't try to kill that man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I know that this man wasn't harmed and whatsoever, whatever like that. So it was like... All right, but you didn't gave me this number now, um, so like I, I spent a lot of time in the law library, like just researching my case. Um, you know, when you when you are charged, you sentenced, convicted, or something, it's like all right, you get a motion of discovery. With a motion of discovery, it's like I get every piece of paperwork that's associated with my case, transcripts, um, you know, everything. So ultimately, it's like I right, this is the most poignant thing that's in your mind right now. Mm-hmm. Outside of your baby mama out there running around and sleeping with everybody <laughs> while you're doing this time. But you know, but like this case. Alright, so um I you know I went to the law library. Like I wanted to read up everything about the charges I was charged with, like all of the elements of this crime that, that needed to been met in order to fail me guilty of that. Uh to, you know, look at, you know, all of the different cases that they have pertaining to this and like trying to find some type of a loophole. Um, now again, like this, this is a prison law, law library. So, you know, it's not like you just jumping on Google and like everything is available to you. It's like, you gotta you know, really do research. Yeah, like yo, Buckingham, Old you know, school. like uh, you gotta pick up a book, you know, 
you gotta I had to sit down with an old head that's gonna explain to me all right long blood like you know, when you're looking for uh, such and such and such cases like all right this number correlates with that and then you gotta find this number and then you gotta you know what I'm saying to piece that together like you gotta got I gotta go on commissary I gotta order me a thesaurus I gotta order me a dictionary just to you know what shout out to the public is. school system though that we came <laughs> up in that we know how to actually do real research uh, you know but 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 there's nothing that you more invested in than your freedom. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, like, yo, I'm, I'm up all night, you know, lights go out, like, you know, I'm, I'm laid by the door. I ain't even in the rack for real, like, so I can try and read this and, you know, highlight this, highlight that, you know, because when I get on the phone tomorrow and I talk to moms, it's like, you got 15-minute phone call that's like $7 and a quarter for this 15 mm-hmm. minutes. And it's like, yo, mom, I need you to, you know, get sister go ahead and try to print out something for this, you know. You can only mail seven pages in one envelope. So it's like, yo, I need you to send me at least five envelopes, you know what I'm saying, but you make sure you break them up so I can get them all, so I can get this and read this and, you know, research that. But, um, but what I ended up uncovering is, like, there was cases in mind that, that had discrepancies, you know, um... The first time I went ahead, I paid a jailhouse lawyer. I think it was like I sent out like $150, you know what I'm saying? Sent out, you know, look, tell my peoples they need to send $150 to these people out here on the street so they can send it back in to put it on his books or whatnot for him to draw up this habeas corpus for me. But So that, there's there's prisoners who are lawyers? There, there, are, there are dudes in Virginia prison systems that have been down since... What they what they call them is old law um, inmates. In which case, like they caught their time before ninety five, mm-hmm. before you know uh, parole was abolished. So it's like they go before parole board. Mm-hmm. Anybody after ninety five is like you, know, you get probation. There is no more parole. Only dudes that are on parole are dudes that caught time before ninety five. Now understand what I'm saying with that. It's like so you have guys that are in prison now that's incarcerated that have been incarcerated since at least previous to 1995 mm-hmm. you know you talking about what what's that at least a cool 20 plus years you know what i'm saying that's still doing time so just to be clear for the audience they're not um lawyers by the state oh they no. are they are jailhouse lawyers because that, they understand the law because, because they have been, been they have been pursuing their freedom since their since incarceration since prior to 1995, man, you know, I always tell, you know, folks that's never been in, in prison, it's like, you can go down to your local Walmart right now, and, you know, never mind the females there, but it's like, you see old, young, middle-aged, you see all age groups of men that's there, that's the same thing walking the prison yard, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying, like, yes, you have a man that's in his 70s that's walking the prison yard that might have been there like 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They came there as a young man. It's like, yes, that's 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 what a prison yard looks like. But but these particular individuals, like, yo, that's how they do their time. And in prison, you got dudes that, like, they work out every day. That's how they kill their time. They work mm-hmm. out. You got other dudes that read. You got old heads that play Scrabble. You know, you got, you know, you got, you know, your gamblers. They sit at the poker table every day, man, for years. You know what I'm saying? Um, your chess masters, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, you know, everybody, because ultimately it's like, yo, you're trying to do the least activity that's going to kill the most amount of time. And I felt like that was the one thing that was so different between the incarceration versus the free world. It's like, you know, and out here in the free world, you're trying to do uh, or accomplish as much as you can in a short period of time. 
you know, conversely, inside is like, yo, you trying to do the least that's going to kill the most amount of time. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, like, who you know lay down is like, yo, I'm going to try to lay down right now and sleep for the next 12 hours. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Nobody does that. So it's you a know, whole different mindset. Completely. Like, it's it's almost like a, a make-believe world. Like, it's so unnatural, you know what I mean? Um, but 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 those particular dudes I'm speaking about is like, yo, but they spend their time, like, studying law, whether it is uh, pursuing their freedom or, you know, offering assistance to other people, you know what I'm saying? But, like, you know, they, they find some type of a value in, you know, just studying law, you know what I'm saying? And they know the law, you know, they know the law firsthand, not from what the papers say, because, like, yo, I done sat down with several dudes that have, you know, dealt with that on that type time for real. So, like, they, they really do know the law. Um, the only so you got with is, a jailhouse lawyer and he got you hip that you had gotten way too much time? Uh, or? I mean, I already knew that I had too much time anyway, you know, but... But it's like after he sat down and reviewed my whole case, it's like, but bro, you really do got some 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 issues of merit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and his advice to me was like, you know, now I can draw it up, I can push it through for you, and which I did end up paying him to get the first one drawn up. But it's like, without that letterhead that that comes with a, an official esquire or whatnot, you know, you know, you're doing it pro bono, mm -hmm. and that just goes in a stack. You know, there are dudes that's in prison right now that I know personally, like, man, that should be home, like, have plenty of merit to their case, but they don't have the finances to have somebody to really get behind that. So, like, their case is sitting in a stack of papers on, you know, Joe Blow desk right now, for real. And whenever they come across it, like, maybe they get some love. Okay. So, throughout your research, um, you discovered that, like he said, you had some points of merit of yeah. things that went wrong. What are those things all right so what and I, I did end up giving eight years of my sentence back uh you know in in layman's terms they convicted me of uh they reduced my attempt murder charge down to attempted unlawful wounding unlawful is the mm -hmm. operative word whereas they also convicted me of the malicious shooting within a building which you know the operative word is malicious uh unlawful is defined as uh you know breaking the law for for less for a less of a better better word but without malicious intent whereas malicious is the malicious intent so to say i can't shoot at the person unlawfully but i shot at the couch that you were sitting in maliciously mm -hmm. you know what i mean so be, because those two didn't align all right they needed to to address that what they ended up doing is they dismissed the malicious shooting within the building because the unlawful already stood. Um, and w what they did is they, they they dismissed it, but they allowed the prosecution to go ahead and bring the charge back. Mm. So even though even though at the time that they dismissed my case, like, all right, boom, that's eight years gone right here today. But even up until the day that I was released, I was still, you know, cautious or fearful of them. All they had to do was basically re-indict me for, for the other charge, in which case, you know, I had to go back and, you know, kind of fight that, which I really couldn't fight that because, you know, they, they had to match them, so it, it would have had to have been the unlawful shooting within the dwelling, but they, they never addressed that. So, you know, they kind of released me, and I came home eight, eight years earlier. Okay. So... You were able to come home eight years earlier than originally. Um, and 
how did you feel when you knew that things were about to change for you and you weren't going to be in as long as you thought? <clears throat> so, first and foremost is like when you once you're incarcerated and you are what they call post-conviction um, appeals, like you no longer go to court, you know, like all of this is handled through paperwork. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a long drawn out process. Like even after I uncovered what I felt was going to be, you know, ultimately my release, you know, there was different channels that I had to go through. You know, I had to send it to the lawyer. The lawyer had to make a petition. You know, you had to hear back from the court to see when they was willing to hear it. So, like, you know, that was a whole nother year plus process before we was actually given a court date. Um, once that court date came, um, my family did, in fact, attend that court appearance where, you know, this information was presented. And once it was, you know, adjourned and, you know what I'm saying, stated that, like, this is what's going to happen, you know, so, like, all right, boom, at that day, you know, I called home, like, Mom, you know, how, how did that, how did it go today? It was like, you know, they they, they, they went along with it, uh, you know, they are going to be taking eight years off your sentence and whatnot. It's like, ah, right, yo, that's great. But I still got, like, another 19, 20 more months to do. So mm -hmm. it's like, it's not, not like a thing that you go home today. Um... But I didn't know that my sentence was adjusted at that time. Now, um, is that, was that the point when you decided you needed to gain a trade? Because you became a barber in prison. All right, so, so as far as the trade thing goes, like in prison, contrary to popular belief, like there's not a lot of trades and whatnot that's afforded to you, that's, you know what I'm saying, accessible to you. Um, I already had my high school diploma and I had some college, so it was like, you know, it's mandatory that you be on the waiting list to get into the GED program. You know, but outside of the GED program, they got like post-secondary trades. Um, the spot that I was at, they had um, electrical, brick mason, and barbering. Like, I'm not going out there and fight with no <laughs> blocks for nobody. I'm not messing around with no type of electricity to die on the job or whatnot. So it's like I had kind of been on the waiting list for the barbering program, you know, for probably two years prior to my, my, my sentence being reduced. Um, but because my sentence was reduced, you know, it bumped me up on the, the waiting, waiting list, list in order okay. for the barbering program, even so much so to where's, uh, you know, that that's a year program. So like that, that kind of did put me in position to get into the class. Uh, but we tested for the actual state board on February 10th. I received my, well, my release was February 24th. So it was like, I, I was only there long enough to complete the class, to test for the, the barbering program and get my license. But I was home by the time that my, I received my license. God's plan. Yeah, uh, but you know, at the time that I gave the time back, it's like, all right, you know, baby mama that had three babies, you know what I'm saying, since I've been down, like, yo, I'm about to work out, like, I'm, I'm about to get myself right, like, I'm fit to be a sex symbol. So you wanted to go home. back and get back with your I baby mama, that shine. was like, your, that was your no, motivation, no, no, you wanted no. to come out looking good. No, no, I wanted to, to, to come out and be immaculate and wanted to be the most desired thing <laughs> that baby mama could want, but she couldn't have. Okay, all right, yeah. well, that's real, that's real. So you went through the barbering program, and 
Did you fall in love with barbering, or was this just a means to the end because you knew you needed to trade? All right, so so for me, it's like I only really wanted like initially when I got into the barbering program, like all right, boom, your time has been reduced. You know, you you are bumped up on the waiting list to get into the barbering program, and now the barbering class is starting, and like, are you selected for it? At that time, my only intention was. All right, so the barbershop in the penitentiary is like everybody has a compliance cut. Like at that time, you 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 know your hair could not be more than three quarters length long. You know there are no uh, shaving or it only dudes that had beards or those that had shaving profiles. So it's like everybody looks the same. Everybody on the compound goes to the barbershop. You know, and they have uh, certain days of the week that each building goes there to get a compliance cut. So. The barbershop was, was the one spot on the compound that if I'm on one, two, three side, it's like I can mix and mingle with the dudes that's on four, five, six side, depending on oh, what okay. they did, their barbershop. You know, their building goes to the barbershop. So it was a, a means of socializing. It, yeah, you know, no no more than anything. You know, I, I never had, I was never one that cut, you know, my nephews, cousins, anybody here prior to coming to, coming to prison. It's like, yo, I had no intentions on being a barber other than it's like, like this uh, allowed me uh, movement within mm-hmm. the confound that you know others didn't have. So you became a barber. You you get out. You're released. Um, you have to get adjusted to the free world again. Was that a hard adjustment? Because I have several people in my family that have went to prison or friends. My brother's locked up right now, as I've stated earlier. Um, and. What I've heard is that it's an adjustment. When you're down for a minute, it's an adjustment. Did you did you experience that, or did you just come out and take off running? Because from what I know from you, and you know, we worked together a lot in our um, local dealings and communities, and we actually worked together in another job. You're inspiring because you always got the next thing. You know, you're always trying to go boom, boom, boom. Oh. So did you come out? Feet first, boom, nah, running. Or... So, so like I, so contrary to popular belief, is like uh, they say a felon can't get a job. I don't go along with that so much. Like as a felon, you can come out here and you can find employment. Even more so nowadays, just because it's like uh, the incarceration is so high. You know, there are so many people that have been affected by incarceration or. Um, you know, legal issues or whatnot to us. Like, there's a lot of companies that make accommodations mm-hmm. for, you know, that population of people that have had some type of brush with the law. So, you know, as a felon, I, I won't say that you can't get a job, but it's not going to be the job that you want to have. Like, like you know, nine times out of ten, it's going to require some type of physical labor. So um, would you suggest most people who are locked down to get a trade so that when you come I, home I, I would say like and that that applies for even those that, that haven't um had to deal with incarceration is like man get a trade mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying we we kind of moved away from the industrial age to where is you know it's no it's not so much as go to school you know get a degree get a job and you know work that job to to where it's just like all right but the, the time that you're gonna um invest in pursuing and getting said diploma degree certification of what it's like get something that's going to qualify you to operate in the field that you want to mm-hmm. you know what i mean there's a lot of on the job training so it's like you know I, I wouldn't necessarily say uh go to school but you know for anybody to go ahead and get a trade mm-hmm. get, get something that that's going to go ahead and get you on the job you know what i'm saying um work experiences is what is calculated that brings about retirement 
retirement is not based upon whatever type of education that you have so much as, you know, how many years have you actually put in on a job? Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're going to go, and, you know, to McDonald's, you know, boom, if you go to McDonald's today, you know, 30 years from now, like, they should trying to be letting you lose or, you know, saying whatever to that extent. So you came home. Um, those of us who know your story or have watched your documentary that is on YouTube, Fade in Full, Fade in Antoine Full. Carey's story. Fade it. <laughs> Fade it. Um, we know that you came home, you ended up working at a barbershop downtown Fredericksburg, Virginia, and you thought to yourself, this is what I want one day. So by thinking that and having that dream, you ended up working hard and you opened your own barbershop, which is Faded and Company. Can you tell me a little bit about that? All right. Um, initially, I started, uh, I did natural gas work when I first came home, you know, but being out there in the heat, the, the cold or whatnot, it's like, uh, you know, you do have this barber's license and, uh, and I had a strong support system, you know what I'm saying, like like big up the family. But, you know, the, the support system was like, it allowed me to move without a sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think like a lot of dudes, like, you know, whenever you move it hastily like that, it's like you tend to make, you know, bad decisions or, you know what I'm saying, moves that you, you could have made a different type of way. Um, uh, as far as fading the company itself, uh, I did, you know, I was I was given a job because I did have a trade and I was a licensed barber, so, you know, it was easily getting into a barbershop. Uh, um, big up Kingdom Cuts, Corey Thomas, um, that was downtown Fredericksburg. But every morning, like, I had the key to the shop. I go in there, I open up the shop, and it's like, yo, I see all these other business owners. And it's like, yo, I, c I could do this for myself. I want this for myself. You know, that's what birth, uh, fate in the company, pun intended. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but, but. Fading the company itself like that that is my barber shop uh small business still you know i only had one other licensed barber big up james big Green. up james yeah yeah so <laughs> you know he he just nailed like this past week uh you know His he started as barber. an apprentice you know he went through the whole apprenticeship program with me he was able to test to take his state exams and he is a licensed barber now but you know fading the company for me was like something you know uh, for lack of a better word, like a legacy, you know what I'm saying? It's not always about the money, but, you know, about establishing something that, that makes you feel good about knowing that, you know what I'm saying, that that, that you was able to, to birth into life. Um, Fading the company for me is like the only thing in my life, and I do have a son and a daughter, Anaya, Yana, Silas, Amir, but Fading the company is the only thing in my life that I've truly been able to everything that I invested into it I've seen it come back mm -hmm. um, we pride ourselves on professionalism you know like I'm big on pushing you know be licensed be certified be something that says that you are able to operate in this craft versus like you know, you're just picking up some clippers mm -hmm. you know when I was locked up that was one of the biggest things is like yo you can't call yourself a barber if you don't have a license because you know we we, we, we in that learning behind dudes that are locked up and you know like and they they you know it's so heightened to say that you know but i am this uh certified thing um um but we pride ourselves on professionalism you know what i'm saying faith in the company also prides ourselves on like community events very much I'm so, so i'm so much big on this like uh people will buy 
why you're doing something more so than what you're selling. Did you did you read Simon Sinek's Start With Why book? No, I haven't. That's where that comes from. You should read that. I, but I, I've heard it. I've, I've heard it several times. But like, but it's personal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I always speak on Chick Fil A. Like, you know, they do sell chicken. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think they're the best chicken. Like, I'm a KFC guy. But their service is impeccable. Their so, service. Yeah. Their service is impeccable. Like, you know, like you may feel as if you're being rude because you don't respond to Chick Fil A a certain type of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you know, their religion, their, their their religious affiliation, like you know, all Chick Fil A's are closed on Sundays. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think like people will will will, will gravitate to uh, patronizing a certain company based on those type things, even if it's not the specific product. Or they'll be repelled because Chick Fil A has some questionable um, views and dealings. So they're they're now experiencing the other half. But that's just how yeah, business yeah, goes, right? No yin and yang. Yeah, the yin and yang. So one of the things that I am so impressed um, about with you and Fade and Company is that you guys are always doing community events. And me being an entrepreneur as well, I'm like, man, I gotta catch up. I gotta do, you know, saying. But I know it's no race, but you know how I am. So Antoine often does like trunk or treat, or he works very closely with Failsafe, which is a program um, in the community that helps people tackle um, the recidivism rates. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, we combat. Yeah, 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 combat that right. he does community days, which I've helped work on, where he gives back to the community, and I think that that's very important. Also, the man that we mentioned, James, was his apprentice, and I became a stylist by being an apprentice. And mm-hmm. there is, to me, there is no other way to become a professional in our industry them by being an apprentice you can do it the other way but i feel like your experience is not the same if you just go to a to a um school and you get licensed you don't have that full one-on-one experience so i just want to big up you for doing that and for changing yeah, your life yeah, and switching like, it around I, I always minimize a lot of it's like just staying in position that was like man we are all you know professionally personally it's like man we all are afforded opportunities to you know uh be in you know uh intermediate what's the word i'm looking for which one <laughs> nah, like 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 just to step in the gap you know what i'm saying yeah. like just just to, just to show enough fill a gap for what you see like not not necessarily for you but for i was around you yeah you know what i'm saying it's like it, it to me it's like it's almost too easy not to you know what i'm saying we all got uh and i pride myself on you know fading the company because like that's my biggest reward is like to be able to build relationships with the young guys that mm-hmm. they come into the shop you know this year particularly is like um 2019 you know I came home 2014 you know I a lot of my clients the the younger guys you know came to me was like you, you know you bro you 12 years old you know you, you you're a preteen for real mm-hmm. and like and I've been cutting your hair and building that that relationship with you like we got a rapport you know what I'm saying I'd have seen you to Whereas right now it's like, but bro, you then you driving here to the shop, mm-hmm. like you you got That's your little beautiful. girlfriend with you, you know what I'm saying? Like you know, I had like three dudes that left just this week, mm-hmm. like they going off to college. I know it feels so good. Yeah, like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and you know, vicariously, it's like, bro, I'm living through you, man. But it's like. 
but you are good people though. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm not and, and you know, never can I step in the place of a parent of yours, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like your mother is your first teacher. Not taking it away from the fathers, you know, big up all of the fathers, the you know, the black kings is out there mm-hmm. or all kings that's out there that's mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, stepping in and being there for the young princes, right? But, you know, your mother is your is your first teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, but mama don't always bring you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Daddy bring you and for daddy to be able to step aside and know like, all right, but bro, he's making that, that, that attachment right there because like, you know, maybe he can get something from him that he's not getting from me. I think that's one of the most um, looked over things of barbers and stylists. We ha- we build these relationships with people, and they're no they become so no important. Question, we we go go through their divorces with them, their childbirths, oh, their marriages, yeah. their yeah. college, yeah. everything. You know, I have clients that I've known since they were little kids, and they're going to college. It's like it's wild. You know, it's like. You have given them advice. You talk to them. You know what stays in the barbershop. I mean, what goes on in the barbershop or the salon stays in the barbershop or salon. We yeah. are some of the last people who can actually touch our customers. Like you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. You can't even touch people anymore. So so much more than just a haircut. It's so much more, more than just a haircut. Yeah, it definitely, definitely is. And working with the public that way, with your aspirations of wanting to do community service and wanting to give back and wanting to build a legacy for your children and not wanting to fall into the same pitfalls that you had before, I think barbering is a perfect thing for you because you get to network with people, you get to hear stories, you get to encourage young people to not go that way. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to want to hear it from somebody who ain't gone through it. So I think that's beautiful. And vice versa. Like, yo, so... They inspire us, too. That Yeah, and that that what I was going to say is, like, so I have so many clients right now that's retired, you know, military or government officials or whatnot. Like, I got show enough bros, man, it's like 50, 60 years old, mm-hmm. man, they retire, like, yo, they living that life for real, and it's like, I confide in them, like, you know, I might got something that's on the heart that I can't wait until they next appointment for real, like, mm-hmm. bro, I got to lay this on you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that that's, that, that's just a beautiful uh, dynamic, you know, every time, you know, every time. So do you feel that... Do you almost feel like you were given a second chance at life? Like, because you were able to get out early and you were able to turn your life around? All right, so, man, uh, alhamdulillah, here, right? But, like, look, me, all praise be to Allah, man, the creator and sustainer of all that exists. Did you become Muslim in prison? I did. I did. You're one of those. No, I'm just, he's, nah, he really is a Muslim. Video. Yeah, <laughs> so, so it's like, all right, and, and, and saying that is like, I submit. I submit not only to the will of Allah, but I submit to, you know, God. And we will say God, you know what I'm saying, for, you know, not to, to lose anybody. It's like God is all-knowing. You know, God is several different things, but, you know, he has, you know, several attributes. And one of those attributes is like, you know, God is all-sovereign for the okay. Christian folk. You know what I'm saying? Okay. In which case, like, all right, nothing happens by a way that is outside of the will of God. Like, you know, I can't will something to be that's not of God, yeah. you know, that, that that God doesn't allow. And, you know, another one of those attributes is like God is the best of planners. So, you know, wherever you are, where I feel that wherever you are in your life right now, whatever is going on, it's like, you know, it's ordained to be 
how it is and in a certain order, you know, chronologically, however you want to look at it, it's like, you know, and that is always going to produce, you know what I'm saying, the best product. You know, I can orchestrate my life to have been no better than what ha it has been orchestrated because if, if I had my hand on it and I say, well, you know, I'd rather this happen and this didn't happen or whatnot, like the outcome would not be most beneficial, not only to me, but to everybody. Well, that reminds me of, um, so I went through a kind of difficult time. This past year has been a little rough. And Antoine, you were always telling me what is for you is for you. What's for you like, is stop, for you. Stop stressing yeah, what is for you is for you. You can't miss it even if you wanted to. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. The good and, and the bad. That definitely has the resonated. good and the bad. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes to what you're saying, like what's for you is for you. And obviously there's good things in the works for you and for me. Yeah, sure, and we, we still go through stuff, God you know what I'm saying, stuff God happens. Willing. But um, I just wanted to bring you here to encourage the public that even though things can seem dim, you never know what could happen and what's for you is for you. You can turn your life around. And if things change, like how it changed for you and you were able to get out early, what should you do? You should come home and be the same? Nah, you should you should come and and go hard. You go hard, yeah, Antoine. I, and I, I want hey look, King, yeah, talk right. your shit, yeah, King. Yeah, yeah. All right, so <laughs> so 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 what I say with that is like, man, everything changes you. Like you are never the same after any experience. I agree. You know, uh you know, once you once you eat a turkey sandwich is like but but your body is is more nourished right then you know what I'm saying like you know you gonna go to sleep yeah, <laughs> but you're different you know what I'm saying your 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 whole makeup is different from you know prior to you know after you know post that experience for real and it's like and grab hold of that like embrace each of these moments embrace each experience you know what I'm saying fall in love with the process is like um submit submit that like you know even though i can't control everything it's like but it's to a greater good and it's like uh aspire aspire to be something you know greater or different than you was the next day you know what i mean and stay in position like again there, there's plenty good that's awaiting you you know but you you, you just got to be in position you know what i'm saying and accepting to what's coming yeah, definitely. Word, you know, I don't think I'm nothing major for real. Like I'm, I'm just in a position, man. Mm -hmm. I'm just Antoine. So, because this is a hip hop based podcast, because I am the consummate music lover, let's get into a little hip hop references. Um, so one of the big figures in cases speaking out about the injustices Ooh. in the prison system, especially pertaining to young black males or poor people or I shouldn't even say black males because women are definitely being incarcerated at in mass rate. rates as at well. Rate right now. Yes. On yes. Um and earlier, you know, before you came on, I covered how um this came to be. Why we have so many people in prison and it's not just because crime has had an uptick, it's really policies and yeah. and laws yeah. that have been put into yeah. place and it's an extension of slavery, right? Um one of the big figures that everyone knows about is Meek Mill. Meek Mill is a rapper from Philly, um, basically was on parole for, I mean, probation for so long, and he challenged the system because they were jerking him over and over again. He ended up getting 
uh, judge who I believe was suffering from self-hate mm. and was doing some foul stuff to him. If you want to know more about that um, situation in case, please watch Free Meek. That's on Amazon Prime right now. It's a great series covering that. But when you hear stories like Meek's story or um, the tragedy of the Khalif Broader story and how he was put in prison at such a young age for something that he didn't do and then they finally let him out and he killed himself because he had been put in segregation for so long and you know went crazy or you hear about the central park five which you know those of everybody who wasn't familiar most people watched it on netflix and was able to really grasp how sometimes people are railroaded now with your situation you know like, like you said you were guilty of what happened but there's many people who are railroaded and aren't even guilty when those stories come up how does that make you feel do you do you, does it take you back there or do you feel like um, you look at the situation like oh i know what happened there just 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 being just being consistent is like um i feel like everything serves a purpose again the good and the bad um a lot of times i feel like people go through unfavorable circumstances in order for their purpose and that is to shed light you know what i mean i you know you know just just references like trayvon martin you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying a very unfortunate situation but it's like you know but people live lives or you know short lives solely for the purpose of shedding lights on other topics that need to be addressed for the greater good like nipsey hustle like Nip i think he's a great example of that. especially like nipsey, nipsey hustle um, tupac trayvon martin yeah Rice. and, and there's so, so much many. to be taken from you know saying not just the life that was lived but like the legacy that or the marathon that continues on marathon you know continues. beyond that for real um but but when looking at situations like like with me it's like man Meek story or Meek's platform because his story is so familiar. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But his platform allows it to shed light on, yes. you know what I'm saying, that specific situation for real because, like, this happens rampant. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, I just looking at Meek's story as a whole, I feel like it's relevant, but it's unfortunate. Um, I pray that you know ain't saying like like Mona just said for real like yo take time out your day man like pull it up like like really watch it mm -hmm. and you know not only watch it for yourself but like sit down with your youngins you know what I'm saying like like y'all really go through that and dissect that um, it's an unfortunate situation where you got a lot of young black men that are, are faced with not just the system because the I read a quote one time and they say it was like, you know, the system is broken. But the brother would say like, nah, but the system is set up to do exactly what it's supposed to do. The system is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah, so, I so, but, 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 but I do feel like, but there's a median. Like, I do feel like a lot of times you need to go along and get along. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, the platform that I've been given is like, yes, I do want to address a lot of things. But in the same token, I know like if I address it in a certain type of light, the powers that be could silence me. In in which case you like you kill a messenger, you kill a message. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So some sometimes we like we can't jump right out there and address like yo, but it's set up a certain type of way. But statistically, what's what's understood shouldn't have to be explained. And if you ever take a chance to, to pull up the statistics, you will see exactly like, you know, it it, it is systematic. You know, it is um 
set up in a way for for you know certain ones to win and other ones to lose. You know what I'm saying? You is 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 imperative that you understand which side mm-hmm. of that spectrum that you on so that you can maneuver in a certain type of way. That's my goal um, in life. You know, I try to shed light on things because you know rest in peace to Tupac, but he really inspired me at a young age and made me start becoming knowledgeable and reading and researching. And what I found was that, yeah, we make mistakes or we fall into things, but we don't get the same leeway as other people. It's fucked up, right? We all know that. And then there's a group of people who will complain how messed up it is. But you don't do anything different. Well, if you know it's messed up, then you have to change your moves. It's chess, not checkers. So can it can the system still get you even if you do everything right? Yes. But they're more likely to get you if you live blindly and you don't really know where the traps are. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people in our communities. We we think, oh well, you know, this is the way it is and blah blah blah. You you're not understanding, you're walking right into a trap that is really based on capitalism and money. And just to get them money in their pockets. They don't really care about your life. You know, the powers that be is what I'm saying. Um, the good old boys. The good old boys, right? Mm. So my goal is always to shed light on the system and systemic oppression and capitalism in this country and explain that to my children and youth because we live in it. We got to deal with it. But what are you going to do? You're going to complain about it and not change your life and fall into the same pitfalls that your uncle fell into, that your cousin fell into, that your brother fell into? Are you going to do something different? And we have the power to change that. We are kings and queens walking on this earth, Mm. and we don't have knowledge of self. So so because we don't have knowledge of self, we don't even realize our power. One thing that we don't realize is our buying power, but that's that's a whole other episode. Our buying power could change a lot of things in our life. But I think Meek's story is inspiring and it's great that he has a platform of course people know his story but we need to remember there are countless people who have stories like him every camp that i've been on like it was been a you know and i say camp but you know the compound is like 16 to 800 1800 men you know Mm. what i'm saying and for real like you know so when you go to child line or you go in the rec yard it's like there's more faces to look like yawn than they're not Mm mm-hmm you know what I mean? Maybe the jails might be different. You know, the, you know, the, the, the Anglo-Saxons. They're not different. <laughs> but <laughs> what people, what the, the general public the jails, look at that. But yeah, yeah. But they go, oh, well, look, all these blacks and Mexicans are in prison or they're getting. Yeah, but they don't right. realize that who's being stopped more, who is being. It's, it, it's the, systemic yeah, yeah. oppression infiltrates every part of American life. But. When people look at it or they look at, you know, let's say a Fox News, well, they're just out there doing that crime again, as if everyone else doesn't do crime. No, everyone else does crime, but we are targeted more, so we're caught more, or where things are planted more or set up more. Longer sentences, you know, higher conviction rate, like, you know, and, and again, it's like, because I am trying to, I am one that's trying to maintain, you know, the vein that they didn't gave me, so it's like... Like, you're not going to catch me pushing, you know, the real issues for real. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll do that. We can be more intimate, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, especially on, on these type levels that we're on right now, for real. Like, big up to Mona. Um, Thank you. 
you know what I'm saying? But like, do your own research. Like, do you know your research. And like, like, and don't don't just do it for you. Like, man, educate your folks is behind you. Mm-hmm. Man. Your babies, like, you know, um, you know, uh, the 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 most simplistic things in life are so profound. It's like you you put together a puzzle. I put together a puzzle for this room. It's like yo, I gotta put all the pieces of the floor together before I can add the walls and the ceiling, like, man, enjoying with your peoples, like, man, share what it is that you have, man, and impart that upon them for real so that they can impart it to others for real. And, like, let's build from there. So basically what we're saying is there are, you do have some power, and please educate yourself, your please. family members, your loved Mandatory. ones, because Mandatory. we know it's rough out here and we know it's a trap. But we also know that there's a lot of information. Right now, we're, everyone right now today in 2019 is in a better position than our ancestors were. Cosmetic. For sure. Yeah, right? cosmetic. It look, it look a lot better, but you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm not saying in a better position as far as what's coming at us, in a better position as far as information. True. That's what I'm saying. True, true, you true. have to have the brain and be able to filter that information because there's a lot of false information as well mm. but like you were saying when you went to prison you didn't have google and stuff like that back in the day when i started getting knowledge of self or i started researching or learning about our true history and how we created math and science and all these different i had to read books now you are able to go on the internet the internet is something that people did not count on man big up to the books like like you know what i'm saying <laughs> you know i still saying? read books though you know what yeah, I mean? man, open some of my flip a couple pages though man. i feel you but, Get off but, your but in your thumb, that's, like, man. that's our generation this new generation is so quick they they have to have information quickly they don't really do the whole I mean, we used to go in the library, had a little microfish. You know, we they ain't digging that no more. So what I'm encyclopedia. <laughs> so I'm just speaking to the younger generation that there's a lot of information out there that they can that they can um, get, and then cross reference. Don't just watch a YouTube video true, and believe true, it, please, true, true, because true. there anybody can make a YouTube video. Yeah, please cross reference, but. It's your job to educate yourself outside of the public school system, which is only going to educate you on a, a minimum amount of stuff or false knowledge. Outside of a college degree, whatever, it's really your responsibility. So that's what we're saying. And before I close out, if you know someone or you have loved ones that are locked up, please take the time to visit them, write them. You know, if you got extra five, ten dollars, twenty dollars, put some money on their books, because you would want somebody to do that for you if you was locked down. Man, I, I would, you know, just just to, to couple with that is like, man, everything while incarcerated is heightened. You know, uh, nah, and I, and I can only speak from personal experiences, like yo. But when I get a letter, man, I read that letter ten, twenty, thirty times, like yo. Why did why did they use this word and not that word? <laughs> you be dissecting the you know letter. What I'm saying? Yeah, word for real, like yo, and and, and it's impactful. So it's you know it, it means something. You know, you know, she sprayed the per, the perfume on us like your scent for real. It's like yo, everything. Shout is out to eighties and nineties babies who used to spray the perfume <laughs> on the letters. <laughs> hey, love yo, at, at its most intimate level. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, I remember but, doing- but like, but like, like it, 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 it's big. It's big on establishing those relationships and formulating them bonds, man. Maintaining those bonds for real is like, 
You know, we, we got a lot of, I, now I'm big on always saying it's like, yo, the cure for cancer, man, is send somebody to prison cell right now. Yes, right? I believe that. For real, you know, like 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 the, 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 the solutions to most of America's ills are incarcerated right now. Like, man, let's not forget about our, you know, our fallen soldiers, man, fallen kings, rather, because they're mm -hmm. still kings, you know, regardless of these circumstances. Amen. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's, let's stay in position for them. Why they out of position, you know what I mean? Tell they back on they square. Ashe. So, I want to thank you for coming today you on know, my I very greatly, first episode. I greatly I appreciate, appreciate you, you, man. Big love, man. Inshallah, man. You continue to flourish and, you know, uh, surpass all your, ex your own expectations for real life. Thank you. And if you're ever in the Fredericksburg, Virginia area, Faded. go check out Faded and Company. Faded. He does an amazing cut. 2215 Jefferson Davis Highway. That's right. We're Sweet 100. Soon to be Faded and Company Barber Academy. You know, we That's trying right. to pump out more professionals. We're trying to not only talk about the alternative, but we know to, to give alternative way. Uh, we greatly appreciate you for the opportunity. No doubt. And you can check out Antoine's documentary on YouTube. It's Fade and Fool, the Antoine Carey story, or on the Dope Dichotomy Facebook page. I have it linked on there as well. Thank